Seinfeld. The stand-in is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are about to talk it out. I'm Rob Sisterino. Here's Akiba Winokur. Akiba, how are you? I'm doing it right. I mean, it's Tuesday. We normally record on Wednesday, so I'm not sure if Tuesday has a feel. <laughs> I feel like Wednesday has a feel. Uh, Wednesday has a feel. Wednesday is the, you know, Wednesday is our Thursday. It's the Seinfeld Thursday. Yeah, That's when we, you know, that's when we record. So <laughs> All right. this is like, uh, this is like, you know, we're burning off. We're burning off an episode on Tuesday. It feels like a little bit. All right. Well, we are a, a little bit of a day early just for uh, scheduling reasons. And it's Thanksgiving week here. It should be Thanksgiving should be over for everybody who is listening to this uh, as the shows get posted on the weekend and uh, we are ready to talk about the stand-in where we first meet Kramer's buddy Mickey. We see uh, Jerry is trying to cheer up a friend who is uh, not doing well. We have George who is trying to, out of spite, stay in a relationship. And of course, Elaine goes on a date with the guy who took it out. And we'll find out what it is, I guess. Yes. Is there a debate on it? No, no, no. But uh, don't don't spoil it for people who don't know yet. All right, so uh, all that and more here coming up in uh, the stand-in originally from February 24th, 1994. Kiva, how's your week been? Um, are you, is this my real week or are we pretending like Thanksgiving already happened and we're going to like rehash Thanksgiving? Let's keep it real. <laughs> okay, um, my week's is fine. I mean, uh, you know, the Jets are, are, are done, so I don't really have a lot of sports to worry about. Yeah, that is a disaster. So, but I don't have, a, I don't have like a baby at home. Uh, so how's your week been? <laughs> Fine. I actually got to watch a lot of TV. I think that's been like the one underreported thing about having a new baby is, you know, just a lot of time in front of the TV holding the baby. I finished all of a uh, man in the high castle, which oh boy. I, I did really enjoy. I felt like it was a little slow to start, but uh, I got particularly into it. Uh, you know, it's very tense the whole way through. You think I would like man in the high castle. I think you would, based on uh, some of the uh, serialized dramas that you enjoy. Um, and and it, so, are you on a full Netflix binge? Like, did you finish Master of None? No, I watched two more episodes of uh, Master of None. I'm uh, seven episodes through. I feel like the one where he went to Nashville uh, was, it was a little bit of a of a uh, letdown. Yeah, I mean, I watched them like kind of back to back, so individual episodes blurred a little bit. But I think yeah. in the middle, like the four, five, six, seven, there was one or two in there that uh were slow but it really picks up at the end and are you finished with nathan for you um i haven't gone back to it uh, and watched like from the first season and the sort of like a uh, one or two episodes left i have from season two but i feel like for the most part I, i've i've seen most i have a few more episodes to watch in the back catalog and i probably didn't i didn't see the most recent one and what is your son's favorite of these shows <laughs> um well feel like a man in the high castle he probably was uh you know quietest for the longest but oh i mean but that sounds like it's scary there's like nazis and and i I mean that's all i know about it's tense so yeah you might be like burning crazy images into his brain with that (laughs) oh i hope not i hope that's not (laughs) you have to switch off between that and like sesame street or something i'm actually going back and trying to catch the leftovers now oh i hear that's great but you know i i was just reading an article that sesame street is going to hbo next month correct yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like they're just trying to hook kids in. Like first thing to show them Sesame Street and that's going to be on at 9 a.m. They're going to be like up next. The Sopranos followed by The Wire. They're <laughs> just trying to hook people into HBO. I feel like that there'd probably be an easier transition to go from Sesame Street into The Wire. There's be like some sort of like a whole 
underbelly like uh like drug scene behind the scenes on sesame street i feel i mean your son is gonna like buy be- oscar's garbage can it's like, it's like the corner yeah i think you're gonna be uh you're gonna be wondering why your son is like letting some f-bombs fly yeah all right well all that and much much more here today on the seinfeld podcast if you have any seinfeld news sure so there's a there's a twitter account that's just polls it's at polls p-o-l-l-s okay and um, so one of this week's polls was, what's the best Seinfeld character? And so who do you think won? They, you know, now on Twitter, they just put in the, the polls sort of application. But now you're able to put in four choices instead of two this week. OK. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a new a new little uh, twist on Twitter. So, yeah, I could tell oh, the fact that you didn't know people should know that you're uh, being a good dad this week, because I feel like in a normal week, you would have known that for sure. I would have known that. Sure. <laughs> this guy has been busy this week. Um. So who do you think won? I would say, is it of the core four? Yeah, core four, core four. I think that George is the best character, but Kramer might have won. I would have thought George would win, and then Kramer maybe gets hit a little bit by, you know, people who are, are, you know, maybe uncomfortable endorsing Kramer nowadays. But George got destroyed in this poll. Yeah, who who won? George uh, Kramer won with 34%, Yeah, and George came in last with 14%. Hmm. I think that that just might be a little bit of a factor of sort of like the drive-by polling. I feel like uh, that Kramer sort of just is top of mind, and I think a lot of thought went into this. I think if the more nuanced answer is probably George. Right, and this was not on like a Seinfeld Reddit or something. This was just on a Twitter account that's not specific to Seinfeld, but it had 11,000 votes. But like you said, it's probably just casual people driving by and clicking, you know. So Jerry came in second with 29, and Elaine was third with 23. Okay, well... You know, I like to conduct my own poll. I like to get my poll up every week to talk about the Seinfeld podcast uh, on Twitter. And so this week's Seinfeld podcast poll question, I asked people on Twitter, because we talked about this on the podcast last week when we talked about the pie, which sloppy Seinfeld moment is Poppy more known for? Is it A, not washing hands, or B, peeing on the couch and i only posted this about like two hours before we recorded this podcast today but it really turned into a firestorm uh well what are the results because i know how i voted but i, I don't know how the results well tell me how you out. voted okay so i voted for the couch because that's the right answer okay poppy is is a like a side character of the subplot with uh with audrey his uh his daughter right that was her name mm-hmm. in uh in the pie but in the couch you know, he is a much more, you know, there's no Audrey. He is really a, more, a much more major character. So to me, peeing on the couch, which comes up often after it happens, you know, as opposed to washing their hands, which, you know, poppy sloppy is funny, but it's not really like a through line through the rest of the series. So to me, it has to be peeing on the couch. So all, again, only two hours into this poll, we've had 248 votes cast. So a small sample size, but not a ridiculously small sample size. Still 22 hours left in the poll, and maybe we can uh, follow this as we go along. 5941, the sloppy Seinfeld moment that Poppy is more known for is not washing his hands. That's a shocker. There's like a 15 seed beating a two seed. But really, it has created a firestorm. I've had a lot of responses about it. Uh, Daniel Hamilton tweeted to me, at Dan Ham said, it has to be peeing on the couch. On this issue, there could be no debate. Right, right there, Daniel. I agree. Yeah, uh, this is from uh, Chester. Hey, a Chester ninety nine says note that on Poppy's wiki entry, 
It lists couch in the first sentence and hands in the last sentence. Hashtag. That's such a lawyer move. To, like, no debate. The and by the way, I would I wouldn't trust Chester. Like I would check if he edited the wiki himself. Oh, uh. <laughs> it was the opposite. You know, these lawyers. But Paul Borges has the counter opinion. One eleven Paul. He says, I debated this over and over, but because Poppy's a little sloppy is so famous and occurs due to the hand washing, it got my vote. I don't know. Every time I see my couch, I think about Poppy peeing on the couch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is from Joe Hileshorn, who says, uh, peeing on the couch is definitely the funnier moment, but more people probably remember him for not washing the hands. Yeah, but is this recency bias? Is it because we're talking about the couch? You know, it mentions, the, I mean, the pie. We're talking about the pie. You know, you're saying this is the episode of the pie, right? Yes. Is that, is, is that why people are voting that way? If we, did, if we redid this poll when we got up to the couch, would the couch win? I think that's a great idea. We should redo the poll. We should hold on to these results, put them in the archive, and then uh, reevaluate, ask again, just, just for posterity purposes, what is, which Seinfeld <laughs> sloppy moment is Poppy more known for? Uh, Matt Pavlovich says, uh, definitely the couch. The poppy stain found a way to keep showing up long after Poppy didn't wash his hands. Yeah, and, and the couch is only in like nine or ten episodes. So we'll have a real, you know, set of data to, to check out. Okay. All right. So uh, all this uh, coming up here as we move forward here on the uh, Seinfeld uh, post-show recap. Keep you ready to jump into talking about the stand-in. Yeah, and it's worth also mentioning today is episode 80, right? Yes. So that's uh, 100 more to go. 100 more to go. So really, uh, we're not even halfway. We're not halfway, but uh, I feel like we've we've bitten off a big chunk here. Yeah. No, really feel like we're hitting our stride. I do uh, love to hear from the audience uh, who is now like caught up and more and more people. Uh, it, see, it, feel, it does feel like that we have uh, crossed a interesting threshold where I do feel like we're getting more and more feedback on these shows. So uh, all systems go for the back hundred. Uh, yeah, or maybe we've peaked and now we're sort of, you know, we're going to mail in the last time. Jump the shark. Sure. Yeah, we're going to, what, what do you think would be the shark jumping episode if we jump the shark? Probably if we had like one of your friends come on and just talk about an episode. <laughs> Wait, again? Or oh, we, or? no. Oh, my God. I so stupid. Uh, no, I feel like the shark jump would be maybe like the episode where we don't even talk about the Seinfeld episode and we just. Uh, well, we uh, did. We have mentioned like, wouldn't it be funny if we did an all tangent episode? <laughs> and like, like that was that was the doorman. Congra oh, uh, uh, congratulations, uh, Larry Miller. We missed you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So we'll see. Maybe people could let us know what the uh, jump the shark moment will be for the Seinfeld post show recap. Did Seinfeld jump the shark? What is the uh, Seinfeld jump the shark moment? No, it definitely didn't jump the shark. I think that people uh, no. say the finale was when it jumped the shark. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're going to make a case it's the finale, you know, the two sort of most controversial episodes are probably the last two, the Puerto Rican Day Parade and the, and the finale. Mm -hmm. uh, I, if you really wanted a nitpick, there's crazy people out there who'd say when Larry leaves after season seven. Yeah. But when you get to season eight and every episode is gold, then it's hard, really hard to make that argument. Yeah. Trying to think if uh, I'm looking at a, when did Seinfeld uh, jump the shark? I think this is from Reddit. Uh, people say uh, uh, Larry David, uh, the opening scene of the butter shave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's one that people say. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. 
Probably, I mean, these are very late in the series. Yeah, I think there's uh, people are really uh, grasping at straws here. Okay, so let's talk about Jerry's stand-up. Um, talk about the bus. Jerry seems to despise the bus. Talks about the uh, most stupid, uh, despised vehicle on the road. Uh, he calls it a uh, a fat uncle. He refers to it as having a huge metal ass. Why does Jerry despise the bus so much? Why do uncles? Why are by the way? Why are uncles always like the ones? Everyone's like, oh, you go home for Thanksgiving. Be sure to watch out for your wacky racist uncle. Like, yeah. Why is it always uncles? Uncles get beat up. How come no one ever has like an aunt or like a grandma or something like mm, that? That's a good point. Yeah, grandpa too beloved. Uncle is a, a real right punching bag. Anytime I see one of my, I have seven nieces. I have no nephews. And anytime I see one of my nieces, I always ask them, like from all my brothers-in-law, whatever, like, who's your weirdest uncle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do they say? Well, because I'm asking it. They're less likely to say me. I'm sure if, if like a neutral person asked, they'd say me. Maybe you get the poll's Twitter account to ask it. Well, I'll ask all seven. Not all of them are, you know, are verbal yet. I feel like a lot of them are babies. They just point. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to, I'll I'll get a Thanksgiving poll. I'll see how many of them think I'm the weirdest uncle. So this stand-up goes right into Jerry and George riding the bus. No explanation in this episode of why Jerry and George ride the bus in this episode when they never ride the bus at any other point in the series and seem to be driving cars everywhere else. Yeah, it would be funny if this was like right after one of the episodes where they had car trouble and there's been no shortage of them already, right? Yeah. But it's it's not, right? They they didn't have a car breakdown in the last couple episodes. Uh, sometimes people like to take the bus cross town. It's easier, you know, maybe if you're not in the mood to drive. So I guess that's my guess. They're going to the Upper East Side. Seems like Jerry hates the bus, though. A lot of New Yorkers hate the bus. In some places, New York, the bus is like a better place to travel. But I don't know. It, to me, it's like uh, in, in New York City, the subway is really the preferred method of, of public transportation. The bus moves. You know, you always see these articles in the New York Post like, you know, the, this bus line moves three miles an hour and it's much faster to walk because they just get caught at every light and in traffic. So and buses could be dirty. And I don't know. So the bu- bus are really not uh, not really uh, fondly thought of in New York City. Okay, so Jerry and George are talking. We're finding out about George's new relationship with a woman. They have nothing to talk about. It's very boring, and they're just reading the newspapers. Jerry doesn't think it's too weird. Everybody reads at breakfast, but they read at lunch. I mean, how did they? How did this relationship even start? How did this happen? I don't know. They read at dinner, Akiva. Who read? I mean, reading at dinner is like, uh, you know, that's enough reading for one day. Well, how about? <laughs> yeah, good point. What about a smartphone? You, you and a date are sitting there and you both have a phone in front of you. I feel like that that is not an uncommon scene at my house. No, but you, you might be texting each other. You know, you might say, oh, we're not texting each other. Not you, but the royal you. Some one might text the other person or you could say like, hey, look at this funny, I don't know, meme or whatever the millennials are into nowadays. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's it with with a newspaper article. It's much less like you're not going to be like, hey, look at this op ed piece about, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, there's you're going to be reading your own thing. Uh, it doesn't seem like an interactive sort of experience. You're not going to be doing like the uh, opening of like Kelly and Michael, where you're like, uh, okay, you see this here today on the uh, front page of the uh, New York Post. Uh, again, they got this expose on the bus line. Turns out you're better off walking if uh, you take this bus line. What do you think of that? It's so sad. Like I haven't seen that show in a long time, but. It's sad that Regis is gone. You kind of got me like, I can't imagine my Michael's probably like, Oh, who cares? Um, I think I I do think that like a phone in a way could be more interactive. The newspaper. Also, you have the big paper in front of your face. If you're reading the times, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't even see the other person. If you're reading the post or the daily news, 
it's smaller. Yeah. So it, it's not, a, I forget which one is called the broadsheet. I think the Times is the broadsheet, right? I'm not and sure. The, so it's like the post in the Daily News are like tabloids where you could still see the other person. Yeah. We used to buy, we had a, a teacher in, in high school. And like if kids wanted to copy off each other for homework or for a test or something, they would buy him for him when he would proctor, like they would bring him in the New York Times because that blocks your whole face. So he'd like read the Times and <laughs> wow. nobody he couldn't see what they were doing. It's like a real Ocean's Eleven caper. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy cheating stories going on. I feel like when I am uh, not talking with my wife, where typically it's like she's mad at me or like I ask her a question and she gives me like a really like curt answer, like she's in a bad mood. That will be then I might go to. I will just like then just be reading on my phone. Yeah, I don't know. My wife thinks of it reading as like a really antisocial activity. So she'll get mad. Like, yes. why are you ignoring me to read? Yeah, I, I will go to that if like I try to engage with her and then she is like sort of like, you know, uh, bites my head off about something. And then I say, OK, well, you know, then you don't get the pleasure of my interesting conversation. But big picture with George, like how did this relationship come to be? Because they have nothing in common. It's not like she's a mutual friend. She's boring. He doesn't like her. How did they start dating? I don't know. Was this a fix up? But he would have been like mad at the person who fixed them up. He would have been like, Elaine, never fix me up again. The way, you know, Elaine says to Jerry later in the episode. Yeah. Like, did they meet at a, a bar? Like, she seems to have a good time. She meets a guy at the end at a, at a bar, right? Yes, she does. Yeah, I don't really understand how that happened. Maybe he, George thought it was going to be better than it actually was. Of Like, oh, you like to read the paper? I like to read the paper. Like, he brags about with Susan about how they did the New York Times crossword in bed. He thought it was going to be maybe something like that. Yeah, and George likes the jumble, but he doesn't even do the jumble with Daphne. Yeah. Is it Daphne or Daphne? Yeah, I, he, well, I think the joke is that he mispronounces her name the yes. whole time because he's like so indifferent. I think the way they spell it, it's always Daphne. Yes. Uh, that's how you pronounce it. But I think he calls her like Daphne, Daphne or Daphne or something. I don't know. All right. So here comes this guy. What is this guy? Al Nietzsche is his name. All right. So this is going to be one of our problems in this episode. They introduce so many minor characters here. With full names, which they never do. A lot of times you see, you know, the main guest in an episode where you don't get their last name, right? Even some of the girlfriends. But here we know for some reason we get everybody's last name. <laughs> so, yes, this is Al Nietzsche. So here's Al Nietzsche. Is that like the philosopher? No, I feel like uh, I, I, it's like Christina Ricci, but with an N. <laughs> okay. So here's Al Nietzsche and he knows Daphne. Yeah, and we don't know how he knows Al. We don't know, like, why they're on the bus together. You know, I mean, they're not together, but, like, why, like, how is he running into this random guy? You don't run into people you know in New York City. It's Manhattan. Yeah, I, like, yeah, but Al, we never hear of him again. But, yeah, Al is, uh, and even though he's a through line in the episode, we only see him here, right? That's right. And on top of all this, we also have that Al is telling George about how good his relationship is, that him and his significant other, they stay up all night talking. They have so much to talk about. Sounds like jail. Yeah. yeah, is that what you do in jail? Stay up all night talking? We got nothing else to do. I like it's one thing like you have good conversations. You don't have to read the paper at lunch and dinner. Yeah, but staying up all night talking like that's I guess the first few dates. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that would really be um, pretty solid to go to jail and then just have like a really great conversationalist as your cellmate. I feel like, you know, you can't request. Like you really hit it off with the guy. It's not like summer camp. You don't get like a request for who you want to be your, you know, your roommate or right, whatever. Right, but could you just luck out? How do you think they match people? Like you, you go to college, right? Yeah. And you get a random, you did get a random roommate your freshman year? Yeah. So do you think they like, hey, you know, Rob is uh, Rob likes TV. Let's find somebody who's a big TV guy or a Mets fan and let's put him, you know, let's make them cellmates in jail. 
See, I feel like they do the opposite in jail. I think they find somebody that you wouldn't get along with. Although I guess they don't want any sort of fight, fighting and stuff like that. So I feel like... Yeah, yeah, but they're like, if you guys like TV so much, you're gonna be like, hey, let's break out and watch some TV. Yeah. So here's an idea. This is a great uh, Kickstarter. Maybe we should get this started. So we need some way to find out which jail inmates are going to be the most compatible because we want to cut down on the amount of sort of animosity and fights that we have to break up. So we're going to allow the inmates before they go into prison that they're going to sort of get to the profiles of all of the inmates in jail and they swipe left, swipe right for their matches same thing is going on with the potential new roommates or cellmates if you have a vacancy. I'm going to call this Prisoner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, we have our hashtag for <laughs> we have our hashtag for this. Uh, and you can't even you can't even accuse Rob of making this up beforehand because I, can, I was, you know, went on the prison rant. I don't even know how we got to prison here. <laughs> Prisoner. But, also, if we could get, you know, we have so many correspondents. If we could get a, a prison correspondent, if anybody's ever been like a, a guard or something and could yeah. let us know. Or an how inmate. They, you know, or an inmate, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Especially relevant when we get to the finale. That's right. Yeah, we need we do need some jail experts. If you ever visited somebody in jail, anything, uh, especially if you know about how they match people. Especially like in these white collar facilities or even like these places where it's a really uh, a tough place. I think that you'd want to cut down on the fighting. I mean, what, what could it hurt to have people that are compatible? Yeah, I was reading um, an article in The Times uh, like a couple of years ago about a spy who was going to be released from jail. And it just randomly like it, he didn't speak for the article. He didn't want to speak. So they had to get quotes from his friends in jail. So there's just a random quote in there. Like his his friend and cellmate Bernie Madoff. Like what, Bernie Madoff? Yeah, that's who he's hanging out with in jail. But I guess it could be worse, right? It could be some like murderer who's gonna you know kill him, not just someone who's gonna steal his money. Is Bernie Madoff? He's still alive and everything. Yeah, yeah, he's alive. He's in I think Butner, North Carolina, in jail. In yeah, it's his son. His son uh, committed suicide, right? Yes, correct. One of his sons. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, more updates on uh, Bernie Madoff, I guess, to come. I feel so, like Bernie Madoff's come up a lot already. On the <laughs> well, how could he not? so al nietzsche he knows daphne and uh he is uh doesn't really see daphne and george as uh compatible well al must be you know a psychiatrist because he's dead on in its first read <laughs> yeah he also has another mutual friend again this is the world where everybody knows everybody i'm imagining al nietzsche is some sort of uh, person in the comedy world because they have another mutual friend fulton who is uh in the hospital with some sort of i don't know grave illness yeah, it's very unclear what Fulton has. Um, I don't know. Fulton can't be a comedian because no comic would want some guy to do stand up at his hospital bed, right? So what is I the feel connection? Like stand ups don't like seeing other. So Al could be a comic, but what if Al is like a club owner? Doesn't he seem like he's more of like a comedy club owner or something? Hmm. I feel like he'd be older. Yeah, that's true. He'd be a little crustier. So maybe he is like a comic who hasn't really hit it big yet. And that's why he's like hating on George. <laughs> you know, to get back to Jerry for he's jealous that he was on the Tonight Show and they had yeah. a sitcom. Anyway, so he says that Fulton could really use a laugh. Jerry should come by because Fulton could use a laugh, which is like a weird thing. Like, I understand visitors, but, you know, he's like, uh, do you ever hear that? Like, uh, you go to the hospital and crack this guy up. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate for Jerry because there was a lot of pressure on him, as we'll see throughout the episode. So anyway, Al leaves and George and Jerry are really just uh, flabbergasted with Al Nietzsche because George says, if you can't say anything bad about a relationship, you shouldn't say anything at all. Yeah, it was really a classic George quote. Like it is really his purview on life. Like, you know, he 
he, uh, you know, he only wants to hear bad news. And if his life is miserable, misery loves company. That's right. That's right. That goes back to the master of none episode that I didn't really care for, where I felt like uh, a little too uh, cutesy with uh, going on dates for uh, Aziz. Well, you didn't. I mean, also, like it, it puts like if let's say you're watching that with your wife, right? Or somebody's right. significant other like, oh, they went to Nashville on their first date. Right. You know, that really sets the bar high. It's like, you took me to Chuck E. Cheese. That's, you know, you're a piece of, you know, you're, you're garbage. Right. Aziz having, you know, 30 minutes of a uh, meet cute on Netflix was uh, not my, the high point of the series for me. Yeah. But uh, I feel like that's something he would do in real life, especially because he has the money to just like, you know, take off for a day and, and go fly to some random city. But I feel like he's done that with girlfriends before. Not saying I didn't like the series. There's definitely other episodes that I liked a lot more. I'm just saying that that, that one in particular, I felt like was a little bit of a snooze. Also, he loves food. So he has to like shoehorn in all the food stuff. Yeah. He's like he likes you. to say it the right way. He likes to say all the food, you know, the noodles and stuff the right way. Yeah. All right. So then we end up seeing Jerry and George back at the apartment. And Jerry is nervous about going to go see Fulton. George doesn't want to go see him because he's afraid that a terminally ill person will tell George how he really feels. <laughs> I mean, I don't really understand the logic, but it sort of makes sense. So we get finally the introduction of Mickey. Here comes Kramer and Mickey. Uh, and we have the introductions and we find out that Kramer has been working as a stand in on all my children because Mickey stands in for the kid and Kramer stands in for the dad. And, uh, just give the brief sort of story on Mickey. We, of course, it's the first time we see him. We see him one time every single season till the end, plus in the finale. Okay. So here is Mickey, and uh, him and Kramer are BFF, and uh, we get the introduction that he is uh, working with this kid, and the kid is growing really fast, that Mickey is becoming concerned that he is going to get replaced with somebody who is taller because uh, the kid is just uh, growing way too fast, grown two inches recently. Um, now I, I've, you maybe have more experience on television sets. I, I certainly never worked on a show that had stand-ins. Is the point of stand-ins just for blocking just to see like what the camera angle is? Cause if not, why, why does it matter how tall Mickey is? I think that's a part of it. I feel like it's more for lighting. If you're going to, you know, you don't want to have the actor standing there getting the lights right. You want the actor to come in and have the lights all be set. And I think that's why the height would be important. But I'm not sure necessarily, you know, with I haven't worked on a TV show that's anything like this. So I don't know exactly how important it is to match somebody up exactly with the height. And it seems like that there is a lot of people on the set of All My Children that are standing in for kids, right? Yeah. Or, or, well, the show is called All My Children, and I have no idea what it's about, but (laughs) ostensibly there are dozens. I don't think it's a kid. There's a lot of kids there. It's not like it takes place. There's dozens of kids on this set. No, yeah. but I, it's probably like the lot, you know, it's like the lot for all the New York shows. And so that's just why everyone's walking past, because all the shows are filmed in the same, you know, that maybe that's studio in Queens or something like that. OK, so we end up getting a little bit of an awkward, uh, unpolitically correct moment where George says, uh, why don't they get another midget uh, for the show? And uh Mickey is very offended about being little person. It seems like that this is sort of a new territory in 1994. Yeah, I think it was probably just about the time where you couldn't say that word anymore. I was looking on, I, it was like LP, some sort of little person website for like what their preferred terms are. Uh, and little person is probably their, like the most preferred term or LP is acceptable. And I think dwarf is, uh, is okay also. 
Okay. But definitely not midget. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly racy enough that, you know, for Mickey to have reaction there. Yeah. But in syndication, they switched it to, can't you just switch with another minute? Which makes no sense. Another minute? Yeah, I guess they didn't want to say, they couldn't like dub over and have, they weren't going to like pay Jason Alexander to come say, you know, little person. So. Well, that wouldn't make sense either. Unless you cut Mickey's line. Right. It wouldn't make sense. But he doesn't, he doesn't say the M word back. So. It, it, the minute makes no sense either. Why yeah. don't they just, they should just beep it, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you do to get out of that. I think maybe just uh, like cut the whole scene. <laughs> yeah, next time, next time, like don't be, you know, you have to, you have to think about what the, you know, what the uh, acceptable uh, nomenclature of everything's going to be 20 years from now. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder if we're trying to make a point that he says something offensive, if we talked about how, uh, I feel like we talked about this recently with Elaine, where if we're trying to show these people are unsavory characters, I mean, it's not a curse word. I mean, you have somebody who is a little person who immediately corrects this, uh, this wrong. I mean, I don't know why we need to overdub it. Right. And it is, you could say it's a learning moment because I think a lot of people don't know that that's not an okay term. Mm-hmm. Certainly, 15 years ago and and when this aired 23 years ago they didn't know maybe now most people know but not everybody okay you know i and and so to me it's almost like a learning moment like oh don't do what george did george is you know it's not like george is a role model george is an idiot do the opposite of what he did then he gets yelled at and so maybe it's like a teaching moment for people who are watching one of the things that i like is the talk about how do they stop this kid from growing and they talk about uh giving him cigarettes and uh, mickey says he tried that he's been trying to give the kid cigarettes but his stupid mom is always in the way and it's actually really funny when you actually see the kid that we're talking about is like you know nine years old yeah i mean it's worth mentioning that most of the people the core four encounter are just as terrible as they are <laughs> and they stoop to their level because like, you know, they have this evil idea and Mickey's like, yeah, already tried. It didn't work. Yeah. So Kramer is trying to uh, push for Mickey to get some lifts in his shoes. Uh, something that Mickey will refer to as heightening. Yeah, I guess this is a really controversial uh, sort of idea in the little person world. Yes. Now, is heightening a thing? I have a feeling the concept is a thing, but the word itself is a Seinfeld, uh, you know, creation. Yes. Now, and do you believe that this is an actual thing where in the uh, little person or little pe- people community that uh, if you wear lifts, that would be very frowned upon? I mean, if we would have somebody who's familiar with with that, we'd love, you know, to have that sort of expertise. But I have no way of knowing. I couldn't see from Googling. It definitely it is a, a an acting sort of idea because, you know, people like Tom Cruise are, are have always been rumored for, you know, to wear lifts because a lot of actors are are very short. But I don't know if it's uh, if it's specific to little people that, you know, there's this concept of heightening because I could see it both ways. I could see it being in a Seinfeld episode because it's a thing or a made up thing that happens to be in a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. I mean, so with deaf people, the co- cochlear or cochlear, sure. implant, I always yeah. I always mispronounce it. Some people, deaf people are very against that. Yes. Right. They think there's, you know, why do you need that? There, There's no there should be no stigma at all with being deaf. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. So there's no so I think it may be in a similar vein. Like, you know, I think that, you know, it sort of works out like why even more so like, you know, why do you have to this is not improving anything. There's nothing wrong with uh, being short. OK, but this is for Mickey trying to save his job. And that's why uh, he's at least considering doing it. And so we also find out that Jerry is going to go see uh, Fulton. And that's the next scene in the episode where Jerry goes to see Fulton 
in the hospital. And Fulton is a really tough customer. He's not even cracking a smile. He says he hasn't cracked a smile in months. Yeah, Jerry Tanks here. Total, total bond. They'd be throwing eggs at him if he was on stage. Yeah. <laughs> so he's really trying to uh, get some jokes here, but uh, Fulton is uh, not super into it. And uh, we'll come back to Jerry a couple times in this episode, uh, trying to work Fulton. Yeah, and Jerry, you know, he does this. He he does, you know, first he does like Leningrad, like insane stuff. And then he starts telling a joke, which is weird because comedians don't tell jokes. They don't tell like priest and minister, you know, walk into a bar type jokes. Yeah. So it's weird that Jerry's like relying on these hacky jokes. Yeah. Well, I think that just speaks to how desperate he is. Like he's really just almost like forgotten like uh, what's been working for him. He's like going back to like the uh, like joke book 101. Yeah. So we see George and Daphne. They're at Monk's and uh, they both have the paper and he tries to start a conversation with her. He asks her, how are the eggs? And she responds, eggs are eggs. Yeah, and they're intentionally making this conversation boring and succeeding in doing so. <laughs> I love uh, George's answer there. He does like try to run with it. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Eggs are eggs. Uh, he says that's very profound. Uh, but uh, would you be able to say fish is fish? I don't think so. Yeah, fish is definitely not fish. There, there are places you could order fish from. And it could go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. So George goes into trying to break up with Daphne, but then she reveals that, oh, Al Nietzsche called me today. Uh, yeah, what did he have to say? He said that you were going to hurt me not to get involved with you. Yeah, I mean, how well does Al Nietzsche know George that he, I mean, I guess you only have to meet George once to sort of make that sort of observation. Yeah. But. Like a book, I guess he knows George because uh, now George has to say absolutely not. Sure, there may have been some times when I was younger that that was the case, but no, that is absolutely, where does this guy get off? And it's one thing if he wants Daphne for himself, but we've already been told that he has a, a girlfriend in a wonderful relationship where they stay up all night and talk. So isn't there like a bro code? Isn't he friends with Jerry and, and, you know, and company? Like, why is he trying to break George up? Like, this is a really underhanded move here. Yeah, but we don't know how well he knows Daphne. He could be knowing her particularly well, and he could maybe just not even like George. I think we've seen that a lot of times where people want to be good friends with Jerry and they don't happen to like his other tag along friends. So I think that could be also part of it. So you're saying there's no bro code? There is no bro code among acquaintances. Okay. I think you have to be bros before the code kicks in. Got it. I, I think that there needs to be at least some level of familiarity and, you know, sort of like a good sort of rapport before we get to bro code. Yeah. And we have no idea, of course, with any of these people, how close the relationships are. So we come back to see the set of the scene going on all my children and it's funny because we watch like the son and the father play out this whole scene about how you know daddy is leaving and it's sort of like this tender moment and then we see the scene back exactly the same now with kramer and mickey yeah and it's a really great scene because mickey could not care less he's depressed he's got other things on his mind the heightening and Kramer is doing like a British accent almost and is totally overacting. <laughs> yeah, Kramer is at like an 11 and Mickey is just not into it at all. No, he's not. He's barely reading the words. Okay, so then we end up having the scene get cut and then uh, we have uh, Kramer and Mickey talking. And so we are visited by a woman named Tammy who happens to be another little person. Yeah, and do you recognize any of the little people? I feel like that a lot of them, you've seen them pop up in all sorts of different things. Sure. Yeah, I feel like their community is relatively like tight and stuff. 
Uh, it, it looks like she played an Ewok. I don't know what that is, but it sounds oh. like an Ewok. No. <laughs> well, I feel like the Ewoks were in costumes, so it's not really the kind of thing where you could uh, really make out one for another. I haven't. I have to. I have to binge all six Star Wars before the seventh one comes out. Are you really going to do that? Oh God, no. Uh, <laughs> Should I? <laughs> I mean, are you going to see the seventh one? No, of course not. Okay, well then, well now it seems like you're just being spiteful towards Star Wars. I feel like every episode I'm spiteful <laughs> towards Star Wars. But I feel like that you are going out of your way to avoid Star Wars. Like I can understand it's like, oh yeah, you know, I wasn't really into it when I was younger. Um, but now it seems like that you're a guy who's on top of almost everything that's going on in popular culture. It feels like that this is now you are wearing it as a badge of honor. I will never watch the Star Wars. Listen, this would be my pickup line in bars if I was single. Hey, yeah. And I think, um, should we skip an episode and I'll watch an episode of Star Wars and we'll podcast about Star Wars? <laughs> I'll tell you, the problem is it's three hours long. There's no way I could watch a three hour movie like that. Well, no, none of the movies are three hours long. Oh, I thought they were all three hours long. No, it's like two, like two and maybe a little bit of change. It probably uh, feel like it was three hours long. <laughs> maybe feels like they're long. Yeah, and they're movies, not really episodes, even though they do call them episode uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, I'm totally unspoiled other than I know that Luke, you are my father. I don't really know what that is, but I know that Darth Vader and Luke are related, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that spoils everything for me. I don't really think it spoils anything. But uh, yeah, I'm sp- I'm spoiler free on Star Wars. Yeah. You're not even curious about it? I'm like curious, but I feel like if I, I have so little, Rob, if I don't have that, then what do I have? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here's Tammy and uh, she is now uh, very impressed with Mickey. She wants to know if he's been working out. You look great. Yeah. Everyone thinks he looks different. No one can pinpoint why. Okay. So uh, Mickey is going to maybe get lunch with Tammy in the future. Yeah. Tammy is, uh, you know, she's really sought after by the, uh, the whole, the whole crew here. Okay. So uh, yeah, she's definitely the it girl of the all my children set. But now here comes Johnny, who's like a real antagonist of Mickey. And uh, he's noticing immediately something is off about Mickey. He's basically to Mickey as Newman is to Jerry. Yeah, and I, I think they, re, you know, they realize pretty fast that, uh, you know, if if someone is very short, that's probably, you know, two inch difference or three inch difference is probably very noticeable. Very noticeable. And do you recognize? Do you recognize uh, Johnny from Review? <laughs> Who is he in Review? Uh, he, he worked in the Office for a couple episodes. Now, I don't recognize him from that, but I feel like he has a very familiar face. Oh, remember with the little person? Because one of the there was an episode this year that was. Uh, that was you have to experience being a little person and then the house burns down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was a little person. Yeah, I'm sure if you looked at that guy's IMDb, I think that he's probably in like a million different things. Uh, I'm there now. Oh, he's in Star Trek. I wonder if there's a whole like Star Wars, Star Trek thing for little people. Like, I don't know if they're they're all on the same circuit, <laughs> like the same union. I don't know. Like maybe there's just a lot of like extras that they, they use little people. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people that are like in the uh, working actor, little person community that you see pop up in a lot of different things. Yeah. Oh, he's got he's got a lot of uh, a lot of great credits here. Yeah. Two and a half, two and a half men. He has a very familiar face, that guy. Yeah. So you really see him in a lot of different things. All right. So, uh, yeah, his name is uh, Joe Gieb is his name. Seventh Heaven. Yes. Titus. Ooh, Titus. Yes. Uh, Ally McBeal, that was popular for a while. Best known for Weird Science, The Hottie and the Naughty. <laughs> the Hottie and the <laughs> That's a Paris Hilton flick. Yeah, he was an epic movie. The Hottie and the Naughty, I just clicked on it, has a 1.9 on IMDb. That's yeah. probably the, 
the lowest movie on IMDb. <laughs> He's got a lot of stuff going on. No fault of Joe Lieb. I'm sure he was the best part of, of the movie. I'm sure. So anyway, so him and Mickey are feuding and uh, he basically gives him the uh, like, I'll keep an eye on you. I and he's a classic 80s villain, Johnny. Yeah, really does. Okay. So then uh, we end up seeing uh, Jerry back with uh, Phil now at the hospital, who is another person that comes in to try to cheer up Fulton. And uh, Phil is presented to us as a really great guy. Uh, yeah, Jerry really has, you know, he has a man crush almost on Phil. Almost. Now, Jerry is in the midst of telling this pachyderm story. Akiva, could you decipher for us what is the legend of the pachyderm story? All right. And I needed to Google after because I this always confuses me. It's they do such a bad job of explaining the pachyderm story, which wouldn't be a big deal. Like we like to nitpick minor things a lot of times. But this is the this is the end of the episode that that Daphne ends up going off with the pachyderm. Like she should be going off with Phil Totola probably for, you know, for the episode to tie in together. Yeah, that's what I thought. So anyway, so the pachyderm story is Jerry Pachyderm Pershik is their friend. Okay. One night he went over to a woman while holding two pizza pieces of pizza right out of the oven and he was holding them and they were burning his hands. And so he started like juggling them and ultimately he threw the pieces in the air. And according to Elaine, one piece landed on pachyderm's face and the other one landed on the face of the woman he was trying to flirt with. Hey, so, that's pretty comical other than the, you know, third degree burns uh, with everybody involved. Well, you know, do you get a third degree burn from a pizza out of a pizza oven? One slice. I mean that if the pizza is so hot, it's burning your hands through a paper plate to the point that you have to juggle it. Oh, wait, 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 who said the paper plate? Now you're throwing in non-canonical well, things. Well, he's holding two slices of pizza in his bare well, maybe hands? Maybe they just handed him two slices of pizza, or he's like bringing them over, and he's eating. You don't, you know, sometimes you eat pizza with your hand, and you didn't realize it was hot. He's also, double Also, the bottoms are much hotter than the top. How do you know the top of the cheese part isn't what landed on, on him and his face? Oh, that's what I'm assuming, and that's why I'm assuming that this is the third-degree burns. You don't burn your mouth on pizza from the crust. You burn your mouth on pizza because the cheese is boiling. The, but the bottom of the pizza can sometimes, because that's what's in the pizza oven on is bottom. Is this a Chicago deep dish pizza? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's in New York. I think. I mean, we don't know where Packingham lives. I mean, it seems like everybody was there to see it. It feels like that this is a New York story. Yeah, you think they were there? There wasn't a lot. Yeah, they weren't in Chicago. But you could get Chicago deep dish pizza in New York. At the point that you have two slices of pizza that are so hot that they are burning your hands. I think that it's almost unreasonable to assume that the cheese would not be melted and capable of burning your face off. Yeah, but I, I hear what you're saying. But also remember, he's been holding it and juggling it possibly for a minute or even two or three minutes. So at this point, it's probably cooled down. <laughs> then why does he continue to juggle it? Maybe he's just like, maybe he's a good juggler. Maybe he's a clown and he, you know, he wants to impress this lady by juggling pizza. Mm. I feel like I'm going to say with 99% certainty that you could juggle. That I could juggle? Yeah. No, I cannot. I'm shocked. I feel like I feel like you would be someone who could juggle. No. Why? I'm not coordinated. I know, but if it's something, I feel like that's something that you could do. Mm, I'd like to do it, but no. I shouldn't have asked you. We could have a poll. Can Rob juggle? And no. 98% of people would say, of course, obviously Rob can juggle. No, I think you have person. some level of uh, coordination to do that. Are you really that uncoordinated? I would not say 
that, but pretty uncoordinated. But anybody, even if you were, if you learned to juggle when you're a kid, you don't have to be super coordinated. Like if you just sat and taught yourself, you could do it. Yeah. No, that was not what I. That's did. a good thing to do while you're watching TV, like at night. You know, putting the kid to sleep. Just as long as you're not holding the kid. Well, I have two kids. I could juggle the kids. No. Well, you have to have a third kid to really juggle. You're gonna have to go have a third kid. But you could just, you know, go on YouTube. And I'm sure there's lots of things that teach you how to juggle. And for next week's episode, let's see if you could learn how to juggle. I probably will just continue uh, to binge watch The Leftovers. That's fine. That's one of you. Well, essentially what you're doing is you're juggling three different television series at the same time. Yes. Yeah. I go back and forth to them. All right. So here comes uh, Phil and uh, Jerry and Phil are, you know, old friends. And is Phil another comedian? We don't know. We don't know his profession, but uh, I'd say Phil Totola not a comedian because jerry would have said he's a great guy and he's hilarious okay so he's a great guy and he comes in and uh he is not having any luck with fulton either jerry says he could use a couple of laughs yeah jerry no pun intended is really uh dying in this room so jerry and elaine are in the apartment and jerry is explaining to elaine about how he's having no luck with uh trying to cheer up fulton elaine says you should have told us in the pachyderm story jerry says i did and nothing happened yeah, I mean, if you can't get the pachyderm story across, I don't know what's going to work in that room. Okay, so Jerry is telling Elaine that they ran into Phil, and uh, Jerry is trying to set up Elaine with Phil. Now, again, we talk about it's always weird when Jerry and Elaine want a double date, but I feel like it's also super weird that Jerry sets up Elaine with a date. Yeah, but he just has such a man crush on Phil, unless Jerry wants to turn Elaine off from dating and he knows Phil is a huge creep. Yeah, but that's not what we see in the episode. It's almost no, like... No, no, that, that's not true. Yeah, that's not canon. Jerry is like vicariously dating Phil through Elaine. Yeah, he, you know, he'd want to know how all the dates went and ooh. This, yeah, what's know, it like when he does guy. this? Sure. So he says, you got to date this guy. And uh, Elaine asks Jerry a very unusual question. If you were a woman, would you date him? But, which is, it's, it's a weird question, but it does make sense, right? Yes. Like, if you're setting somebody up, like, is this someone you would date if you were into that gender? Jerry says, if I was a woman, I'd be down at the dock waiting for the fleet to come in. Which is a weird thing. But I mean, they have the fleet week in New York, which is a really big deal. Yes. The ladies love when the, when the, when the uh, sailors come into town. Still? Yeah, it still happens. Yeah. I don't know. This feels like a weird thing. I mean, I don't know if like women have such a sailor fetish nowadays, but I feel like, I feel like those guys are still doing better than, you know, the average person. Maybe. Yeah, if Jerry was a woman, he would basically be having sex with any sailor that came into the port. <laughs> I don't know what, why were sailors, like the sailors have great bodies. What is it about sailors? Is it the uniform? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I think that the idea is that the sailor is, you know, pretty horny that he's been on the boat all this time and he hasn't seen any women. I, well, I guess that, but that was probably, I guess there's women that work on the yeah, boat. You could, also. They could also just go for a nerd then. Like, what are they? <laughs> I don't understand. They should be outside like Goldman Sachs trying to pick up guys. I yeah, think. I don't know. I guess that the, uh, you know, these guys are probably uh, young, young guys who are probably in uh, good shape, I guess. I don't know what it is. Yeah, we need we need uh, one of our female correspondents to let us know yeah. what it is about Fleet Week. Cause we're, also, we're, yeah, Elaine, the female correspondent, uh, the attractive female work correspondent. We'll see if uh, she has been to Fleet Week. Let us know <laughs> about that. Yeah. Uh, but don't you feel that was an odd statement from Jerry? It is weird, but it's just like a throwaway joke in there. Like, what's he supposed to say there? <laughs> okay. Akiva, if you were a woman, would you be yes. down at uh, wait, down at the docks? I feel like I would be at Madison Square Garden or at City Field. 
Uh, you, I'd be like a cleat chaser because I would want good tickets to the games. Yeah. So you feel like, you know, like I would, I would like date someone on the jets so I could get, you know, I could get like seats on the 50 yard line or in the, or in the owner's box. You'd be like a groupie. I'd, 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 I'd be a groupie for sure. I, you know, for, for good tickets, I would, I mean, I don't know why I have jets tickets. I'm not sure why I would need someone else's jets tickets now that I think about it. But I guess, I don't know if in this, in this alternate world, do I still have jet season tickets? <sighs> I don't know. Wait, do you want jet season tickets? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So maybe I'd have to do Knicks. Like, cause for courtside seats, those are really, wait, when you say you'd have to do Knicks, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I prefer to go to Knicks games. Sorry. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure you weren't like a, like a basketball wife. Oh yeah. yeah no, 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 no. I mean, listen, Porzingis is a good looking guy. So I don't, I don't. <laughs> I'm surprised you get that. You're such a non-basketball person. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I know a little bit of what's going on. Are you, are you a Knicks fan? Would you identify as a Knicks fan? Yeah, I would. I would say so. Okay, if the fine. Knicks were like in the playoffs, I would watch the games. Okay. I thought you were a total non-basketball person. No, I'm a Are you a lover. non-hockey person? Yeah. And you're non-soccer also? Right. Okay, fine. Yeah. I, I used to watch like in the 90s, like when the Knicks would like uh, go to like the finals and stuff like that. Like, you know, I would watch those games. So you're a bandwagon Knicks fan? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's almost nothing that's getting me into a regular season uh, NBA game. No, I mean, I in yeah, I don't. You know, I'm a I'm a big Spurs fan, and I won't watch a regular season game. But that's just because they always win. It's not worth watching. Okay, so we end up now that George comes up here and he says that Al Nietzsche he told Daphne that uh, not to get involved with him. He can't believe it, and uh, because that he is afraid that she's going to get hurt. And there's a great line. Elaine asks, "Is she?" Of course. But I, I also like that he calls Al Nietzsche a pimple. Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of insult is that? Yeah. And so they're like, well, if you were going to hurt her, then what do you care? And George's like, well, he didn't have to tell her. Yeah, let, let her see for herself. I feel like this has been a real violation of whatever non-trust they have. Yeah. And so Jerry asks, what are you going to do now? And George says, well, I can't break up with her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do, I do love that George is willing to marry her just for, you know, just for, uh, you know, to, to one-up Al Nietzsche, who he has nothing to do with. Yeah, he's going to keep going out with her out of spite. All right, so we go to the All My Children locker room. Does this seem right to you? I mean, if they have so many stands-ins who are not going to have their own trailers, obviously, it, may, it makes sense that if there's like a bunch of different shows on one set that they would give them a locker to, you know, put their stuff in. And so apparently, was there a lock on this locker? Did did uh, Mickey's uh, antagonist, did he pick the lock? Did he cut the bolt cutter? I, I think he left it unlocked because he probably didn't have anything valuable in there. At least normally he doesn't have anything. Okay, well, he had a pretty valuable secret to be uh, keeping safeguarded. Yeah, but who thinks someone's going through your lock looking for it? <laughs> All right. So we go back and see Jerry talking with Kramer. Jerry reports to Kramer about how Fulton has taken a turn for the worse and people are blaming him. Yeah, it's Jerry's fault. He, he tanked and uh, the bad comedy is going to kill Fulton. Yeah. And so Kramer uh, wants to know if he told him the pachyderm story yet. <laughs> Everyone loves the pachyderm story. Unfortunately, no one could articulate it during the episode, but they all love it. Yeah. Kramer is going to potentially go see um, Fulton because he's very good with sick people. Yeah. Uh, Len Nicodemo had the gout, whatever that is. I mean, yeah. I know what gout is, but the gout. The foot problem. No, I know what gout is, but it's, but no one's ever called it the gout. The right? gout. Yeah. And he, he moved in with him and he uh, and he made him recover. All right. So we end up seeing now Mickey comes by and he says that, hey, that Johnny went through my locker and he saw that the lifts were in my shoes. He knows I'm heightening. 
And so Kramer and Mickey begin to get into a bit of a fist fight over this. Uh, Mickey says to Kramer, you just keep out of my business, you big ape. Yeah, I mean, this is a funny scene that Kramer and Mickey are fighting. Yeah. And then this is pretty like typical Jerry. Like, all right, all right, you two, break it up. Yeah, Jerry is the referee frequently. <laughs> he doesn't like fighting. Yeah. He says, behave yourselves. And so they end up trying to figure out what they're going to do. And Mickey says that that Johnny has always been jealous of him because he always got to stand in for the biggest stars, including the Cosby kids, Ricky Schroeder and Macaulay Culkin. Who's Ricky Schroeder? He was on a show called Silver Spoon. Okay. And then as an adult, he was sort of um, a big deal on NYPD Blue. Okay, I know 24. the name. Yeah, Rick He's Schroeder. Not the guy with the mustache. Yeah. Uh, no, not Sip That's Wins. Right. <laughs> Uh, Cosby kids uh, which one of the Cosby kids uh, did uh, Mickey uh, sit, uh, sit in for uh, I don't know I've never I never saw the show I don't know their names now ironically uh, that uh, I, I hear that there were a few Mickey's slipped on the set of oh, the Cosby boy. show oh no <laughs> that was good <laughs> and so uh, Mickey talks about how there is an unwritten rule in the community about heightening people would be ostracized. Now the fact that Mickey has this whole sort of monologue about the dangers of heightening, does it seem plausible that he would have done it? I mean, listen, sometimes desperate people do crazy things. And to him, he's, you know, this is, you know what it's like, this is like Derek Jeter complaining about Barry Bonds hitting 73 home runs. Yeah. Then at the end of his career, he loses power and Mm. he starts taking steroids. This is hypothetical. I'm sure Derek Jeter did not take steroids. Are you I'm sure? Sure. Are you positive? I feel like he did have a little bit of a resurgence. I feel like the last uh, year or two. Listen to my voice. I'm sure he didn't take steroids. Okay. Got um. It. Anyway, <laughs> I think uh, it's a little bit like that. Mickey, you know, he'll do. He's sure he's going to get fired, even though I don't think they'll fire him just because the kid. You know, it's a little like this is a kind of a Walt on Lost situation, right? Mm, yeah. Where you can't. It's hard to track. Like. If you have a kid who's having a growth spurt, like you don't know how, how big he's going to end up being. That's true. But uh, I don't think they're going to fire Mickey. I, they'll maybe, maybe put him on a different show, but I don't think he's going to lose his job. It'll probably be like illegal or something. Because what would they say? You're too short? Yeah. You know, he could probably sue them. I mean, you would think that there would be another kid on the show that Mickey could stand in for. And why can't there be kid stand-ins if there could be kid actors? Or is it just too expensive to have a kid on set? Because... You have to pay for the parents to come and the teachers. And well, that's possible. And I think there's only certain hours a day that the kids could work. Yeah, but why you don't need a stand-in if the kid's not working, do you? But I think if you want to set the scene right and sort of like... Oh, okay, just, so you mean the, the stand-in's there at 8 and the kid comes at 9 or something. Right, if you want to light okay. everything, get ready that to go. Sense. And then when the kid is only there for two hours, then you can go ahead and shoot his scenes. I feel like a lot of these kids are divas. That's the word on the street. Yeah, I hear that. Now that you have two sons, would you rather be like a Hollywood parent, like bring them to auditions or like have each one of them throw them headfirst into like one sport 20 hours a day and have like one of your kids become like the best tennis player in the world or the other one become like a golfer or a soccer player or something. Yeah, I feel like the tennis or golf uh, kid, I feel like is less damaged than the Hollywood kid. I think that that is probably one of the worst things that you could end up getting these kids involved in. Yeah, because you have sons, so you could really, like, vicariously, especially since you say you weren't a good athlete, you could really vicariously live through them and their sporting, you know, accomplishments. Potentially. That's one of the best parts of having kids, yeah. of having sons. I mean, yeah, you could do that with, with girls also. You know, you, have, you might have to, like, force some of them to be interested. My kids 
like gymnastics, which is ostensibly a sport, but it's not something I would like. Yeah, I, I don't anticipate really pushing them into uh, you know sports where I have to drive them around to different places and go watch <laughs> oh, so a lot it's of not, games. It's not for their well-being. You just don't want to have to drive them. Can it be both, Akiva? Bill Simmons talks every week about how he misses the Patriots games on Sunday to bring his daughter to uh, soccer games, like all up and down L.A. And, and like, you know, all around California. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Especially like you need a sport that's weeknights or something when, you know, you don't want to kill your whole weekend. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Akiva. We'll see. We'll see. But it we'll would be, it would be, wouldn't it be fun? Like your kids in the Olympics. I feel like that would be amazing. I don't know. I don't think I have that sort of like, you know, those, those Olympic parents, they, they take the kid like, I mean, they have to give up their jobs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but you don't have to give it up. Nicole could give up her job. If, if Nicole wants to, you know, pursue a career in... Uh, yes, you could, that's, that's, see, if she wants to talk to you and not read the paper, you could ask her that later tomorrow. Say, uh, you know, would you be interested in being one of these, like, helicopter Olympic parents? Well, Nicole and I have actually had this conversation about this. And Nicole says, like, oh, like, uh, with Dominic, uh, you know, he's going uh, to be a baseball player. Uh, he's going to play on the Mets. I said, uh, he should be the baseball announcer. Right. That would be that would be a good gig. But George Costanza says that you have to have played to be an announcer. That's not true. Well, you have to have played to be the color guy. Yeah, to be the color guy. Sure. Yeah. But to be the commentator, boy, I mean, you don't get fired for that. I mean, usually that's like a good job. Right. And I tell my wife, well, like our one of our daughters, the younger one is really, really good at gymnastics, like probably the best at her whole facility. Wow. And. You know, he wants like keep pushing her up and pushing her up. But that also means like more time and you have to leave your, you know, city and go to the biggest city, you know, and, you know, hire the best coaches and get private. And it's like, you know, it's very time consuming because after school and it's very expensive because, you know, it's one on one coaching gymnastics. Yeah. Very expensive. So the so I'm like, who cares? You know, if she's if she's amazing at it, then that's what you're put on the world, you know, this earth to do. Like you're there to be, you know, the hundred best you know, the hundredth best gymnast in your country or the best gymnast. That's like, I'm not, are you the hundredth best at anything other than, I mean, I guess podcasting, you're number one, but <laughs> am I the hundredth best? At, that was even a little half-hearted Akiva. Am I the hundredth best at anything? Probably not. Unless napping is like an Olympic competition. So, you know, if you're the best, you have to sort of like pursue that, that thing. But she's like, no, no, no. She, you want to be like well-rounded. You want to, you don't have to, you don't want to do that, like, your wife or your daughter. My wife. No, my daughter would please. She'd, uh, hey, uh, kid, do you want to quit school and do gymnastics all day? Right. I think I think that would be an easy sell. Yeah. But, you know, then they went to like a, like a competition, like the Nationals. All the kids have like torn ACLs and all, you know, the competitors, they all have had like surgeries and they were talking to the parents. And it was like a horror show of like every single kid has, you know, wraps on all their arms and legs. And it's like, oh, I'm not going through that. But that's part of the game. I don't know. I think that's a tough life for any kid to sort of be thrust into. Also, gymnastics is different because you like ruin your body also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of them really have to like, uh, you know, play around with their body because if you get too tall, it's game over for you. Yeah. I think that it's probably like a more satisfying path to anything to sort of like as an adult pursue the thing that you want to do as opposed to like having it just be a part of your life. But it's so unrealistic for someone like me. I mean, now it's completely unrealistic. But even when we were kids, like I knew I couldn't, you know, I love baseball. I would have loved to be on the Mets, but, you know, I couldn't make my high school team. I'm sure, you know, that's at a certain point, you're just not good enough anymore. So you have to live vicariously through your kids, ideally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're I mean, your kid could be a dud also. And then then, then that's it. But yeah. So I, but I, gymnastics would be bad also because like the balance beam, you know how nervous you'd be when your kid is on that freaking balance beam. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that that would like not tennis. Be. What's the worst thing that happens? You you lose the point, and then you lose the next point. Like if they fall. It's like, oh, that was a waste of the last twenty years of my life. <laughs> wow, that's pretty dark, Akiva. Yeah, I, now I just talked myself out of the whole gymnastics thing. Forget it. I'm not sending them anymore. Save myself a lot of money. All right. Well, let's go back to George and Daphne that are in the car talking about this date. And Daphne thought George was going to spend the day with her the next day. And they were just going to sit in bed and they were going to read and then they could go shopping and then have lunch and not talk. And George says he actually couldn't go with her the, the next day because he had something planned with his dad. There was a father son picnic. I, the odds of this being true are literally zero. <laughs> There's a better chance that me and you are the gymnasts in the next Olympics than, yeah. than Frank Costanza having suggested a picnic. I think this is one of the funniest things in the whole episode when George is talking about how his dad bought a new blanket and he got that little uh, game with the Velcro and the paddles. <laughs> his lies are so detailed, George, at this point. Yeah. Such a good liar. And so eventually Daphne gets annoyed and says, oh, I guess that, uh, you know, Al Nietzsche was right about you. Yeah. I'm mean, such a, like a low blow by her also. Yeah. I feel like he's calling every night also. He's in her ear, her ear Daphne. <laughs> and George just explodes. He's like, no, Al Nietzsche is not right. That's it. I'm canceling the father son picnic. I don't know what he's going to do about all that potato salad. <laughs> One of the great things about George is like he really believes his lies. Like he's upset at this point. He's like, oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, he's like throwing it in her face like, uh, well, he made all the potato salad. I don't know what he's going (laughs) to do with it now. I mean, there's only two people on this picnic. How much potato salad could he have made? A lot. (laughs) This is like an old man thing, right? Because like we'll go to a tailgate party and my grandfather will say, bring the potato salad. And like no one ever touches it because there's burgers and hot dogs and steak and no one ever goes near the potato salad, right? It's yeah. below the coleslaw in the barbecue pecking order. And the coleslaw goes unopened most of the time. Yeah, what's the line on uh, potato salad? I feel like, uh, what, like, what's the age of, like, uh, potato salad is the most important thing to uh, sort of just uh, apathy towards potato salad? I feel like you hit 70 and you're all about potato no, salad. No, I think it's younger than that. Is it 62, maybe? <laughs> I want to say maybe in the, I feel like it's somewhere between 40 and 50. But it has to be gradual you, because I would never touch potato salad. Uh, you can't just go from not touching it to loving it. I think potato salad has fallen out of favor. Potato salad is uh, maybe becoming like the bologna of the uh, side dishes at the picnic. I mean, but you agree that coleslaw is above it in the pecking order. Yeah, I think coleslaw is probably higher. Yeah, I mean, I think potato salad is a little higher up on than bologna on the scale. I do think. The old men, maybe it's like an East Coast thing, but the old men do love their potato salad. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm telling you that I think that potato salad is on the same trajectory as the bologna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely I'm 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 selling potato salad. I'm not buying it. Yeah. Sell on potato salad. Potato salad is pretty good, though. If you can get it. Yeah. The truth is when you eat it, it's fine. But I would never waste like, oh, I could have another burger or I could fill myself up with potato salad. I'm never going to go for the potato salad. (laughs) Yeah. There's better things like, out there. I would just like to talk about food all day. Forget about something. <laughs> all right. So then uh, we end up with uh, Elaine and Phil. And they're in the car. And this is going to be, I think, another mystery, just like we had last week on the show, finding out why uh, Audrey did not eat the pie. So here's Elaine. She's telling the pachyderm story. She's killing with the pachyderm story. Yeah. I mean, maybe Elaine should be the stand-up here. Yeah. And so... Then Pachyderm's story ends. Uh, Phil uh, can't believe what he's hearing. 
uh, he's mentioning at one point that he is laughing so hard he is going to pee his pants. Wow. And so Elaine is like, um, I know it's unbelievable. And Phil says, that's one of the funniest stories I ever heard. And so they go to uh, wrap things up. It's been a great night. And so uh, Phil says, you're really beautiful, Elaine. And she says, good night. And Phil curiously says, good night. And she leans in to kiss him and looks down. And you see like horror on her face. Horror on her face. And it, it needs to be said, like this is a very, she's like going in for the kiss here. Yes. He may have, he may have uh, been, this may have been a false start by Phil. Mm, false start. So we will find out what exactly happened with Phil uh, when yeah. Elaine goes to talk to Jerry. And uh, what we find what out. Is the, what do you think the show wants you to think at that point is happening? Oh, I think that the show wants you to think that he took it out. I think that that's like what they're going for. But I, I was actually thrown off on the rewatch and I was, I didn't remember if this was uh, this episode or not, but I, when he talks about, you're going to make me pee my pants. And then Elaine looks down and he's laughing so hard. I I said, uh, uh, what is he? Is this, he pees his pants, right? They, you, it could be that it could just be that he's excited. Like there's no, you know, they, they leave it a little open-ended. I was sort of like, or, or is this the, he took it out guy. I couldn't sure. remember. Right, but the first time you watch it, are they, you know, are they, like, what are they going for you to think? Yeah, this wasn't an episode that I remembered particularly well. I knew, of course, that Elaine had a, uh, he took it out guy. I wasn't sure if that was this guy. It's definitely one of the more anonymous episodes. Yeah. And so, back at Jerry's apartment, and also we find out that Jerry is going to go and see Fulton one more time. This is probably, I think, the high point of the episode, the dialogue between Jerry and Elaine about the date. Yeah, this is definitely, this is, you know, to me, this, this is what saves this from being a really, really, you know, bottom couple of episode because this whole scene is fantastic. Yeah. The dialogue is just very snappy of just back and forth of, uh, what happened and, uh, Elaine saying he took it out <laughs> and then just going back and forth. He what? <laughs> and she has this moment where she says it with the glass. She takes her glasses off and she goes, he took out <laughs> jerry's so vanilla and innocent like he doesn't even know what she's talking about yeah and there's a little back and forth of it out <laughs> really <laughs> great uh Elaine does a yesery bob about it and uh jerry just can't believe this uh what had happened of taking it out this uh, jerry would never do this so he's just baffled no he would not and jerry wants to know were you in some sort of amorous uh and nope nope he just took it out now i went back and i looked at the scene like uh there does not appear to be any sort of like uh there is no whipping of it out it's almost like at what point did the camera on him the whole time yeah I mean, or I mean, like you see them from the Elaine shot. You think that when the camera was on Elaine, it's possible or maybe he has a jacket on his lap. We don't see his lap. I want. I mean, was he just driving with it out the whole time? I mean, if he's that kind of guy, it's possible. Like, was he wearing is he wearing pants or is he wearing some sort of like uh, like what do you think he's wearing a kilt? It, he could. He, <laughs> I don't think he's wearing a kilt. Could he be wearing like basketball shorts? No, he's on a date with like a first date. He's wearing pants. He's wearing pants. You would think he would have heard a zipper. Yeah, but she's probably, it's a weird situation, right? Because, well, first of all, Rob, if he's doing this, 
there is no way he's never done this before, right? Mm-hmm. The type of person who does this once has done this a thousand times. Yeah. Now, so he's probably very quick to the draw. In terms of, uh, you know, he took it out. I mean, it's not like a wardrobe malfunction. You, I mean, for it to get out, that's a very, you know, it's a three step process at least. It's a process. I mean, it's <laughs> as anybody who's like, you know, need needed to use a a public restroom, like you, yeah. you know. There's a, it's uh you know there are several steps involved. Could he be wearing sweatpants? Because that would really, that would really you know that that takes you know care of the whole zipper thing. And yeah, he wore sweatpants on the date with Elaine. I don't think so, but he's the he's the same. I feel like the same creep who's doing this on the first date is creepy enough to wear sweatpants on the date. Let me ask you another question and tell me if uh if if I'm if we're digging too deep on this. No, there, we've never digged too deep before. I don't okay. think we'd start now. Okay, it is out is it up is it up and out it's gotta be i don't think i i don't think he's uh like why is he putting in his relief pitcher like when he could put in the starter <laughs> i don't know if we have that information right I, I we don't we that's true we don't i mean I they mean, were just he's hysterically laughing at the pachyderm story you would think that he is uh i would think that to be aroused and also hysterically laughing at right, the same time. To the time. point where he has to pee his pants. Yeah, to the point. And, and again, he has to pee his pants. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of conflicting information. It's true. It's true. I, I, this is such a good question for Jerry. I, I feel like you have to lead <laughs> with this when we speak to him. <laughs> <laughs> and now, actually, this would be a good question for Carol Leifer who is the person that this happened to, according to Elaine in the inside look. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's like inappropriate to ask her the question though, Hmm. unless we were friends with her. Like we could ask Jerry, Larry wrote the episode. We could ask him, we could ask the actor, you know, if he asked like, what's my motivation here? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that we'd have a better chance of getting the answer from uh, Carol Leifer than uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. I mean, she's on Twitter. I think she, she's got a decent amount of followers. Like, you think we should just tweet it? I don't. I don't think that's good. I feel like we're gonna. No, that's the kind of get thing that, to Twitter. Yeah, we get like <laughs> we get blocked on Twitter. That's the kind of thing of it's where we do a podcast interview with her. Uh, only ten thousand followers for Carol Leifer, so maybe she's she, not she an verified? impossible. She is verified. Maybe not an impossible get. Um, she and don't uh, verify anybody on Twitter. Yeah, apparently, apparently. So maybe who who knows maybe like I I feel like that that would be the kind of thing where you know we do the interview it's like an hour into the interview and then sort of like uh, this is the move that I like to do like all right let's take some questions that we got from our listeners it's like uh, wait, okay oh wait, hold on you're gonna ruin your whole podcast for me <laughs> do you make up questions sometimes when you don't want to ask it yourself no no I do not. okay fine I do not um, but maybe in this instance we could. And it's like, hey, uh, yeah. So. Uh, Bob from uh, Wanta asks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pachyderm uh, wants to know uh, when when you wrote the episode for uh, the stand in uh, or, or you wrote this. You had the story in the stand in with uh, the guy who took it out. <laughs> it's got it has to be like it has to be like Sarah from Freehold. Yeah. You can't even be the question has to be from a woman. Yeah. <laughs> because it's too creepy with us asking it. Can you explain? Yeah, we almost need a we almost need a woman. We need like Elaine, the attractive woman correspondent, to 
to like voicemail in the question. It has yes. to be so clearly from a woman. We didn't want to ask this, but Elaine insisted. We'll blame you, Elaine. Yeah, well, we're going to record it as the voicemail. Like, we have a, question, a voicemail question to play. <laughs> we haven't listened to this beforehand. It could be anything. It could be anything. Yeah. Now, she says that this actually happened to her, Carol Leifer, according to Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, there's also a How I Met Your Mother episode where something very similar happens, where uh, they call this on How I Met Your Mother, The Naked Man, where... Uh, the, the woman goes to the bathroom and then she comes back and the guy just gets completely naked and it goes now one I, of two ways. I wasn't the biggest Himyum fan, but I watched a lot of the early episodes and I think, first of all, it's Barney who does this, right? It's Neil Patrick Harris. No, somebody does it, I believe, to Robin and then oh, okay. she talks about, I think then I think she then she had sex with the guy and then the other people start, they also try to do copycat of the naked But I man. thought the idea was like, you're about to lose the game. So this is like, this is your Hail Mary. I, I don't remember that detail or not. You know what I'm saying? Because one of the problems with what he's doing here, with, with, with what Phil is doing, is he probably didn't need to do this. Like, we know enough about Elaine to know that he could have gone upstairs. Right. This is, he has the bases loaded, there's nobody out, and he tries to steal home. Yeah, and he, basically it ended up being a triple play. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that maybe he doesn't know this. Like, Elaine doesn't have a reputation. Hey, let's go again. Let's go again. Uh, it's the end of the Super Bowl. They're on the two yard line. It's first and goal, and they run a pass play instead of just uh, r- rushing up the middle with R- Marshawn Lynch. How about this? So it's game six of the NBA Finals. Uh, you're up by five, and you take out your best player so he doesn't get the rebound and let uh, LeBron take another three. <laughs> sure. Said, we could have gone for the, the, the quad, but neither of us are big enough hockey fans to come up with a good <laughs> hockey analogy. Is it, you pull your goalie when you're winning. Yeah. The other team scores an empty netter. <laughs> All right. So l- many, many unanswered questions about uh, he took it out. Yeah, I mean, this was some of them will probably, you know, remain sort of it'll be like the Roanoke uh, colony of history. Like we won't know what happened. I mean, what's the thinking here for Phil? I mean, is Phil uh, feel like that Elaine would be so impressed with it that that's just sort of his sort of like calling card? I don't think so, because I think the guys who run on the field, I feel like it, the opposite is true about them a lot of times, you know? Hmm. They're just they're exhibitionists. It has nothing to do. It's it's not Fabio who's running on the field. Usually it's like a fat guy who's at four beers, you know? Yes. OK. So you feel like that for him, uh, he's like a flasher. Is that what you think? Oh, I think it's a similar it's a similar. He's like the guy in cereal who's in like the weeds and we don't know what he was doing, but maybe he killed. Uh, right. Hey. So maybe you think that just like uh, maybe it was <laughs> out. I feel like here's the thing. If it was out the whole time and we don't see any sort of like he him taking it out, then I feel like the answer to the question of is it up has to be no, because I feel like Elaine would see this would be something it would enter Elaine's field of vision sooner. It's a good point. I think you're right. I think. Right. A normal person would be like, oh, you know, I want to, you know, I want to put my best foot forward. But this guy, no part of that. This guy is just. Uh, like this is his thing. This is his move. This is what he's into. Yeah, it's like a fetish almost. Yeah. So I think that that might be. Uh, who knows? Who knows? And maybe the listeners will have some feedback. Yeah, on I, I feel like people have insight. Uh, maybe you could. We'll, we'll grant you full anonymity if you want to tell us anything. Yeah. It's just begin any story with uh, something similar happened to my friend. 
Right. It could be your friend. It could be my friend. Okay. So, yeah, the whole thing is uh, is pretty wild. Hopefully, we didn't lose the entire audience at this point. No, I, I feel like we may have lost them earlier, but I feel like they're here to stay now. Yeah. Okay. So, Kramer comes in and is consulted about this. And uh, Kramer said that, well, maybe, uh, you know, it couldn't breathe. Yeah, to me, Kramer, he's just, this is so like, first of all, he knows what it is right away, right? It took Jerry, you know, 10 minutes of uh, charades to figure it out. So I feel like, I don't know if Kramer's done this before, but he's at least up and willing to do this. <laughs> There's also a funny line where Elaine says, uh, got any other friends you want to set me up with? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but how could Jerry know? See, guys won't know if his guy friend is into something weird unless they tell them or like he's done it enough that it gets around. Oh, sure. I mean... You could have a guy friend who is, you know, the freakiest freak or, you know, God knows what, you know, and then you had no idea. No idea. Yeah. These guys have a, like a secret identity. Yeah, no, it's true. I think, right. You're, you're not going to know. It's, it's always like the most unassuming people, probably. <laughs> it's the quiet ones you have to watch out for. That's what they say. So George and Jerry are talking and <laughs> uh, Jerry tells George the details of this. It out and there's so many scenes of them at monks and jerry telling george like a story we already know but the whole thing is just george's reaction to it <laughs> yeah george says i've spent so much time trying to get their clothes off i never thought about taking mine off and this I, more so than jerry this is something that george could in theory try yes like, i feel like he might try this the next time uh relationships going bad well, for George, though, I feel like uh, considering uh, the events in the Hamptons, I feel like uh, when we talk about, you know, leading with your best foot forward, maybe that's not his move. Yeah, that's true. But he doesn't have to do it when he comes out of a cold shower. <laughs> I, guess I so. think I, I also just in general with this move, like practically, I feel like it has a zero percent uh, value over. Uh, it has a zero uh, VORP. Hmm. So what what was the replacement move? The replacement move is nothing? No. The point is, if this is going to work on somebody, yeah. then not doing this would have also worked, if that makes sense. Hmm. The same thing with Phil. Like, if this worked, then you could have just basically asked. Or, you, you know, you could have gone into it in a more traditional way. I disagree. I, I think that uh, this is sort of like forcing the issue. I feel like that this is sort of... So it's like, stealing second and third, basically. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Either you sort of just get down to business. It's like, all right, let's just put all of our cards on the table. Either the woman is going to get out of the car, mace you, call the police, <laughs> or... Then uh, a more uh, positive outcome is going to happen. But you got to skip about like four dates worth of just sort of feeling it out. That's true. I do. I, could you be arrested for this in the car? Certainly, if the police officer came by and it was out, uh, I think that that would be, you know, it's in decent exposure in your car. I believe so. What about, but let's say they don't come by. If, if a woman is filing a complaint, I shouldn't sound too interested in this, but <laughs> if a woman is filing a complaint, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I wonder if, I wonder if this is illegal. I believe, I think in the letter of the law, I think it would be, I think it might be hard to prosecute. Right. And uh, yeah, I, this is also, we, it's not recommended at home. Don't try this and let us know how it goes. Don't try this at home. Unless we're in the you, car. <laughs> now that being said, Talk about uh, maybe some ways how we could have tied this story back together. 
Like uh, in one of these times where it's like, hey, there's no conversation happening. You want a conversation starter. Right. I, I, this, I, the episode should have ended with George trying this on Daphne. Yes. And then and then, you know, like Al Nietzsche walks in or something like that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying one of these one of these dinners where there's no conversation happening at my house. This could be the move. Well, I'm sure it is the move with your kids just because they're running wild. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, I don't. I wouldn't recommend that. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna go well. Yeah, unfortunately, my oldest son does have a, a habit of uh, taking it out as well, but it's a different circumstance. Two year old boys for you. That's what. That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, George ends up like shooing Jerry out of here, so that he wants to uh, have this conversation with Daphne. Jerry is leaving anyway. He needs to get back to the hospital. Because he needs to uh, do the show of a lifetime for Fulton. And, and George has really come around to the fact that he's not just bored with this woman. He hates her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Jerry has a funny line. talks about how, you know, they're doing uh, amazing things at mental institutions these days. Yeah. I mean, but who is the mental patient here? Yeah. Well, George <laughs> said right after he doesn't like her, I'll get married to her if I have to. Al Nietzsche is going to think twice before he opens his mouth again. That's right. You'll show you'll show out by mal- my marrying this boring lady. Yeah. All right. So here comes Jerry to the hospital. He ends up meeting up with Phil. Jerry now knows that Phil has taken it out. Uh, Phil is uh, very grossed out by the woman breastfeeding. Yeah. And this is sort of a funny uh, dichotomy. And I think I don't know, like what the what the view was back then versus now. Now it would be like offensive to be like, um, you know, offended by it. Yeah, but it is it is sort of a funny thing because that's so much more common. <laughs> and Jerry has a funny line and he says like, yeah, that's the last thing you want to see. Well, next to last. And someone like Phil who has like a creepy thing, like he doesn't even he's not even thinking about that. He's not like, oh, Jerry knows probably because he's friends with Elaine. But the thing about creepy Phil is that I almost feel like that his character should be like, hey, Jer, take a look at what's going on over there. It's true. That would be consistent. But. He's obsessed. For him, it's about him. It's not about the woman. I guess so. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm sure we could go on more about that, but uh, we, this, this, the show's running long. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Kramer and Mickey are matched up in a game of rock, paper, scissors, which devolves into that. What were they playing rock, paper, scissors for? I don't know. It, it was a weird scene. And then because uh, they argue over what beats rock and they decide that nothing beats rock. And then they just keep going once, twice, three, shoot rock. <laughs> and then they're in some sort of stalemate. Yeah, I feel like uh, they could have Googled this in 2015 and figured out what beats rock. Yeah. All right. So here comes Tammy. She wants nothing to do with Mickey because he's heightening and everybody knows it. He's juicing. He's juicing. All right. And so uh, Mickey ends up sort of like now surrounded uh, by everybody and sort of like a little bit like a like a angry mob. It's a little bit um, like the scene later on when Kramer is sort of uh, ganged up on by the karate kids. (laughs) Yeah. So everybody's mad. I like when Mickey says that he stood in for Punky Brewster when you guys were all nothing. Yeah, that's a great joke. Were you a Punky Brewster guy? Sure. Soleil Moon Fry. Sure. And so then uh, Tammy ends up going off with Johnny. And uh, that's really the end of the Kramer and Mickey story. Yeah. Of course, it ends with uh, Mickey then beating up Kramer again. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it seems like Mickey can hold his own in a fight with Kramer. Yeah. So then finally, we go back to Jerry in the room with Fulton. And now Jerry is uh, killing, literally. 
Yeah, this is probably, I mean, if you're a stand-up, the best thing you could do is literally murder somebody with your comedy. And <laughs> is it canon that, that Fulton dies here? Well, let's explore it, because, first off, is what Jerry's saying actually that funny? No, but, you know, Fulton has been through such bad humor, and he's in so, he's, he's so in need of a laugh that even a B-plus act is really going to get uh, Fulton going. This is what Jerry is saying to Fulton. He's saying, this guy is belching out vitamins. And Fulton is saying, stop. Jerry says, and this whole Justice League, again, very uh, timely, Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, you mean to tell me Superman can't cover everything? For crying out loud, he's Superman. Now, is this another joke or is this a story? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. But uh, that's enough to allegedly kill Fulton. Allegedly, I think is a good word. So do you think Fulton is dead? I do think he's dead. Yeah, I think so too. Because otherwise, they, in the back scene, they would have been like, hey, Fulton, they always do this thing where it's like, remember with the, with the boyfriend, it was like, oh yeah, he's fine. He yeah. kicked me out. So it, like they would mention it briefly in Monks. Yeah. I think RIP Fulton. Fulton is dead, yeah. We asked, we, we said we would track like the dead people in one of the first episodes we did. Yes. So we could add Fulton. We haven't had a death in a little while, but we could add Fulton to the list. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry killing Fulton with his jokes, is that, anywhere in the top five of worst things that happen in the show i mean is you know is he responsible for the death of the pony remark lady (laughs) um i feel like he's certainly more responsible for this death he is but it's hard to really uh like no court would convict him i feel like he was trying he was actually doing something good for once and it was a you know an unfortunate uh sort of uh mishap it was his time i mean he was probably like 35 yeah <laughs> we, again, we don't know what was wrong with. Fulton. We don't know what was wrong. I mean, he could have. He could have been on death's door. Yeah. So Daphne and George are back in the final scene, and they're talking. And Daphne says that you know she's uh, never been uh, with a guy who was so committed to committing, and uh, she has uh, something that's very difficult that she needs to say. She was out with some girlfriends, and there was a crazy mishap. And it's somebody you know, Jerry Pershek. Pachyderm. Yeah, Pachyderm. He was carrying these two slices of pizza. I mean, now to me, they told the story so poorly that I don't think anybody who watches this episode once understands the ending. It's also that Pachyderm is like, it's weird that that's a person's name. It's like an elephant. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, the whole thing is, uh, is really weird. And we never see Pachyderm. Right. Like we meet... Six different minor people who we never see again. Right. Like but never, but not Pachyderm. She meets, should be Phil, and maybe he took it out, worked on her. Right. Or, right. Or the one we said before is probably the best. Al Nietzsche. Or, or, or well, Al Nietzsche for sure. That would make sense. But or that's George sort of like, takes it out. We're right. George takes it out as the funniest. Al Nietzsche maybe makes the most sense. Um, but it's, it's not a, such a Seinfeld story that he yeah. basically just like, went behind George's back and got the girl. That's, that's almost like too linear right. of a story. Um, but I think Phil Totola is the best one here. The ending should be... But she even says, she says a crazy mishap happened. Right. right. <laughs> a mishap could be like accidentally, you know, his zipper accidentally fell down or something. Well, <laughs> I think the crazy mishap is I think it was the pizza thing again. I understand, but once he says the crazy mishap, just switch it to be Phil Totola. No, I think it should be George and Daphne are in George's car and uh, they're having this conversation and then George takes it out uh, and then I think then he expects her maybe to break up with him but then maybe she's like, oh, 
and then maybe ended on that. Yeah, to me, that this is if that if that's how it ends, this episode is a hundred spots higher on every list. <laughs> wow. And that's such a great ending. Yeah. I feel like that the ending, though, it's a little similar to the buck naked thing where it's like, uh, you know, te- you know, I'm a porn star. Tell him. And she's like, really? Like, uh, she's like uh, into it. Yeah. Or you could say, I mean, and of course, they hadn't written this episode yet, but it would have ruined the Hamptons if George is taking out here. And we have in a few episodes. Yeah. You know, George being, uh, you know, unintentionally sort of, uh, you know, flashing. Yeah. Um, maybe I think if we did something where it's like, uh, if George had to go meet Jerry at the hospital, brings Daphne to the hospital, George goes in to see Jerry, Daphne's like in the waiting room with Phil. And then maybe like, uh, he does the, uh, take it out there. I mean, every, every single idea we mentioned is better than what <laughs> the ending is. Pachyderm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lackluster ending here for, uh, <laughs> the stand in. All right. Akiva, if this was 2015, is there anything that would be majorly a different? I feel like the he took it out is the basis of all online uh, dating apps at this point. <laughs> this is this episode is the father of Tinder. Yes. Yeah, not prison. Or, or no, maybe more Snapchat. That was like Snapchat, probably more than Tinder. I mean, I think that what we've talked about, the Phil uh, Totola, I think is basically what we've sort of like uh, the guy, he takes it out. Sends the picture. If the woman isn't horrified, like that's a match. If if she is, he moves on to the next thing. Totally. Yeah. So Phil is really was ahead of his time. But what's the approval rate for something like that? It's got to be like 1% at most. I mean, I, I have no idea. And maybe it started out, it was a little bit, a little bit higher. But even then, it's sort of like, uh, like, okay, well, then all you got to do is send out 100 pictures. Didn't someone tell you on a podcast once that they get like a ton of these? Yeah, a couple people I think have. Uh, Abby Maria uh, comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's pretty horrible to be a woman on social media in 2015. Oh, no, listen. I, I, one of the things is like this is not this, is, you know, it's not cool. <laughs> no, it's not. We're not we're not condoning this. Oh, no, not. Of course, we're, we're, we're telling you not to. I'm just telling you where, where it started back with Phil Totola in the car with Elaine. He was the person that started uh, the, the whole thing. I think other things that would be different, uh, obviously the treatment of little people would be a little different. I mean, like maybe the best actor on television now is a little person. And the, I, I mean, while it is part of his character, it's certainly not his whole character. The fact that he is small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. The dink. Uh, yeah. The dink himself. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, so maybe that, but uh, you know, that that's the least of this episode's problem. <laughs> All right. Where did you rank the stand in? It, to me, it's a hard episode to rank um, because the stuff that's messy is the messiest, I think, of any episode we've seen so far. Right. Some pl- like I don't know if the plot lines don't get uh, sometimes we've seen like plot lines not really brought to their fruition. But here it's like they, they just chose like the wrong answer in the, you know, the make your own storybook. Yeah, they, they introduced five too many characters <laughs> and it was way too confusing. They probably could have like combined them into two people. Yeah. You know. Like Al Nietzsche doesn't have to be a separate person from Phil Totola necessarily. I think it's a little complicated if they're not different people because George hates Al Nietzsche. Uh, but uh, I hear what you're saying. Hey, but who cares if George hates Phil Totola? I think it would have made things a little more uh, complicated with what right, a great but I guy do he think, is. I, yeah. But you don't think it was a little messy? Like it's in a 22 minute episode where we're seeing a lot of these people once, max, twice. You don't think it's hard to keep track of, of who everyone is? Yeah, I hear and you. Fulton and like and all these and it's not like. You know, and even Mickey at the time, 
you know, yes, he becomes a regular, but that's just probably because he did a good job here. It's not like this was some planned thing. Yeah. We don't see him again for another season. Well, maybe you could have uh, had George's girlfriend, Daphne, know Fulton. And maybe you could have had uh, Fulton and, and skip the Al Nietzsche thing. Yeah, there's so many ways you could have. By the way, at the end, Johnny Vigiano, the, you know, the little person who takes Tammy, he could have stolen away Daphne would have made more sense in the end. <laughs> that's not a better ending. Yeah, sure. That's fine. And then and also like the little person wins because like a lot of times, especially in the 90s, I feel like they were kind of the butt of the joke a little bit. Yeah. Or they'd play sort of uh, like heel characters, bad guys instead of good guys. Yeah. But here it's like they're, you know, he's like winning over George and that's like a big loss for George. But to me, the scene with Jerry and Elaine and even the thing that happens before it, like the whole taking it out thing is memorable enough to get it out of like the bottom 15 or 20. But I I think it's the worst. I think I have it as the worst, um, the worst episode other than the Brith and the Barber this season. I have it at 140 even. 140. Okay. Yeah. He took it out is so memorable. I feel like that's probably a little low, but I'm not going to quibble about it. I mean, there's the episode is really sloppy, though. A little bit like Poppy. A little sloppy, Poppy. All right. Let's get into some of our Seinfeld mailbag questions. Of course, we get emails every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Let me just uh, give you an interesting comment that came into us on the comments for the last episode, uh, The Pie. Uh, This is from uh, one of our concerned listeners, Akiva. Uh, This is from uh, Jackie Swanson, who says, I tried last week to send in a question, but I missed the cutoff date. I must say... It's hard to watch so far in advance of your recaps. If one watches the episode on a Monday night, then writes a question comment for you the next day, Tuesday morning, then waits all day until the release uh, of the Saturday podcast and finally listens to it Sunday, Monday, almost a full week goes by. At that point, I probably have watched another five Seinfelds and I'm very foggy about the one you're recapping. Please let me know if others have expressed this concern. However, your podcast is great and I recommend it to all my friends. Thank you very much. Akiva, have people expressed this concern to you? I don't think so. I I think his what he's saying is true, though. It is. You do need to sort of uh, bring your Jackie may be a man or a woman. Oh, yeah. Jackie could be a woman. That's true. This person would. Listen, we live in a post gender society. It doesn't matter. Right. I think the idea is true where it, it takes a lot to email us because you do need to watch the episode ahead of time. Yes. So we really appreciate the people who do that. Some people have seen the episodes 30 times. I know, and don't even need to watch the episode to ask questions about it. Yes. But if you're not like that person, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why that's what makes the Johnny DeSvers of the world uh, so valuable. <laughs> yeah. Here's the way to probably figure out the schedule. So we typically will release the episode. Scott St. Pierre does all the editing. He releases them typically like on Saturday afternoon is when uh, the shows go up. And typically, even though we're recording on a Tuesday today, we typically record on Wednesday. So you probably have a good, you know, four, four and a half days to listen to the podcast when it first comes out. And then, uh, you know, here's the next episode that's coming. And then send us a question about that. And we're going, we're not going in random order. You know, we, it's very easy to tell what our schedule is going to be. So, um, we don't have a calendar or anything. We're not that organized, but you know, we are doing one episode a week in chronological order of air date. Yeah. All that being said, it's great. It's a great idea. If you're watching a few episodes ahead to think of your emails then, but if you send them in, we'll probably lose them. Yes. That's uh, right. There were definitely a couple emails like, Hey, I'm, uh, I was just watching the, uh, butter shave and like, okay, save that one. <laughs> save it. That's true. And so, uh, 
we do we do our best. You know, it's tough. It's it's tough. There's no great way to do it. We sort of record this midweek, so Scott has a couple days to be able to edit it. It's not something that's like timely where the episode just happened and we have to get it up right away. So that's just the way that this has worked. And uh, we've been pretty consistent with uh, our with our scheduling and our releasing. So um, there's no perfect way. Yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, the idea is, you you know, maybe Sunday or Monday, you watch the episode, you send in your emails, uh, maybe right before or after or during while you're listening to the podcast. Yeah. So just uh, so people can uh, can follow along. All you have to do is look up, look up Seinfeld season five uh, available in a number of different places. And you'll be able to see that next week, the next episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the wife followed by after that, we'll talk about the raincoats and so on and so forth. And, and yeah, the raincoats will be, we'll talk about both, I think in one episode, right? Yeah. So there you go. And that'll take us through uh, the end of season five. And then we'll probably take a, a week break. We haven't taken a break from the show. I think from when, when we went from season three to season four. Yeah. This is like the steadiest relationship I've had with anything <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Boom. We haven't missed a week. We have not missed a week uh, in a very, very long time. Yeah. We're pretty good. Not even when my son was born. We would take a not week even when your son was born. Okay. All right. Let's get into the email. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Why don't we start off with Johnny DeSilvera this week? And uh, Johnny DeSilvera, he wants to know the question of, did either of you date someone in your past longer than you should have? Oh, boy. <laughs> Where's the taboo buzzer? <laughs> no, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I think if you ask the people that we've been, you know, been with, I, I feel like you'd you'd maybe have to get the ding, the the you know the the bell. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Also, uh, Johnny wants to let us know that the kid who plays the kid that Mickey stands in for is an actor named Thomas Decker. Later on, he will play the kid that Kramer visits in the hospital in the season seven episode, The Wink. Yes, I, I actually have that in my notes. I forgot it's. Uh, He's the he's the sick kid who Kramer promises that Paul O'Neill will hit two home runs, but then one of them is called a triple with an error. Uh, Thomas Decker. Uh, a lot of these kid actors end up not acting, but he's in uh, a show called uh, it's on Fox, and now I'm blanking on the name, but it has a terrible name. Backstrom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen it, but the uh, Dwight from The Office is the star of it. But he's one of the main guys on the show, so you could see what he looks like now. Okay. All right. Here's an email from Dan, who is our uh, podcast benefactor that we are uh, making uh, potentially uh, putting them in a, in a bad spot financially with how long these podcasts have been, especially this episode. Sorry about today, Dan. <laughs> Dan says, eggs are eggs. I've ordered scrambled eggs and gotten a range from the perfectly moist and delicious to dry and inedible. Compared to fish is fish, fish is fish. You get an overcooked piece of salmon, and it's still pretty good. You get some overcooked eggs, and you might as well throw them away. What say you? Which is more is, fish or eggs? It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's so hard to, like, eggs are easier to cook. It's so, like, a kid could make eggs. It's so hard to real, like, yeah, of course, you could make an egg that's not great, but it's so hard to not make an egg that's at least the C plus. Whereas, like, I would have no faith in being able to make fish, you know? No, you go to a diner. If you went to a diner, you're going to trust their fish if you don't know anything about it. Well, if it's rancid, but in terms of like preparation of the fish, if you had, you know, baked fish, I mean, how do you screw up the fish? As long as it's a edible fish that's not rotten. I mean, if you bake it, if you broil it, 
if you fry it. I mean, it all pretty much turns out the same. Whereas the eggs, you could get eggs that are runny. You could get eggs that are all burnt to the pan. Uh, I, I'm probably more in the fish is fish camp more than eggs is eggs. Well, I'm team eggs is eggs. Although my wife would tell you that I'm particularly rigid when it comes to my breakfast eggs. Well, what do you, what's, your, what's your move? What's your go-to egg uh, breakfast? Well, I tend to do in the morning, I start off just about every day. I have uh, two eggs of basically two fried eggs, uh, sort of over easy. And do you do this yourself or or your wife is taking this? I don't trust my wife to do this. Okay. Because, uh, and that's really where I think the, uh, the crux of the debate comes in where she'll say like, oh, I'll do it for you. And I say, no, 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 I don't want you to, I, you rest, honey. Look at this Mr. Independent here. And do you make her eggs also while you're at the uh, manning the station? No. Well, because she doesn't want you to make eggs or you're just not a good guy? Because keep, there's only so much room in the pan for her me to make no, eggs. No, not at her. the same time. Like you make yours and then like, uh, I could, then you make- I could, but then it's like, um, an extra, because you know, if it was the kind of That's thing where my wife, then, then you're just like a chef making eggs, right? If it was the kind of thing where my wife says, Hey, if you make me eggs, I'll come in and clean everything. I'll be like, okay, fine. But then my wife expects well, so me you work on the marital barter system. I hear you to clean everything. It's like, Hey, cook for me. And then I must have send Nicole the link to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. By the way, you'll be banned, you know, cook for me. And then also now clean up twice as much stuff. Yeah. I mean, do you do the dishes or she does the dishes? I mean, for the most part, we load the dishwasher. Oh, you just load the dishwasher. Okay, I don't have a dishwasher because it's also, if we had one, we'd have to have two because the meat and the dairy for the kosher. Um, it's, uh, but I do the dishes, but I don't know how, I don't even know how to make eggs. That's how inept I am. So I have to rely on eggs, but I always say extra cheesy, like put in as like whatever cheese you think is an obscene amount, double that, and I never get the right amount of cheese. Wow, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough life. It's tough life having people cook for you. <laughs> All right, so this is from Brian. He has some questions uh, for the stand-in. Uh, he wants to know, have you ever watched the show Life's Too Sure on HBO? It's amazing. Never seen it. Never heard of it. Also wants to know, uh, he's a huge fan of Chester on the 32 fans. Uh, and he says it's the worst podcast name ever podcast. However, well, also, it's not even what we do anymore. I thought it was a decent name when we were talking to 32 fans in 32 days that it explained what we were doing, but now we're just talking about football once a week. I guess he's right. Yeah. He does say, while he's a big fan of Chester, he says, uh, he really added nothing to last week's recap. Oh man. <laughs> Leaving that one in. <laughs> Listen, sometimes like, you only have one chance to make a first impression, Chester. <laughs> Not a lot of clamoring to get Chester back on the pot. This might, this might ruin it for like a me or anybody else who wants to come on. Yeah. Well, I think we learn, you know, we're going to have the person listen to the show so they don't have to come in and repeat stuff. Like, I feel like the audience is very self-loathing in terms of like a a member of the audience coming on. Like, they're like, oh, uh, sure, (laughs) sure. Like, What does this idiot have to add? Yeah, but it's harder than you think. It's harder than you think. Yeah. It happens. It's 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 not. And people just, are like, then how come he gets to go on? Then everyone emailed yeah, the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. When's my turn? I've I've emailed in twice. I want to come on the podcast. Yeah. No, I, it's definitely a thing in the podcast where it's like I love to get feedback from the audience, but then it's always a lot of like they want to hear guests, but if it's somebody who is just like uh, has an opinion and isn't you know they'd be harder on this person that's just a uh, a person with an opinion that's not a guest you know what i, I mean? also think with the to talk about this like your main podcast for a second people are always saying hey get someone you've never had before right 
Rob, go get someone who you haven't talked to, you know, since the podcast started. On the Survivor who was on podcast. Survivor 15 years right. ago. And then you have them and they're a dud, you know, because they're not in your world. And, and people realize like, oh, we should just have the people who, you know, it's not like you go to a restaurant every time and you order different food. Like you find your two or three different dishes yeah. and you go with them. So people think that they want something new, but really they want old reliables. That's the truism of life, Akiva. That's great relationship oh. advice. It's like the Pina Colada song. I don't know what that is, but I <laughs> Google it sometime. Okay. Uh, what about Amir? What does Amir have to say? Uh, talking about the stand, Amir says, uh, how long have George and Daphne been going out that she already is talking about moving in together? We've never seen or heard Daphne before. And the funny quick breakup at Monk's is not one that suggests that the end of a serious long-term relationship. Right. And Daphne is not one of these impulsive people that's like, hey, we've been gone for we've been on four dates. Let's go out. So we don't know. And of course, the timeline is tricky. You know, was there an episode last week in in like the actual Seinfeld show? There was. So like was the pie last week and, and this is a new relationship? I don't know. But the idea is that it's George is forcing the issue that he's the one. Yeah, but she said, she said, I, what we talked about with moving in, she brought up moving in first. Oh, I got the sense that he talked that he brought it up first. No, she, no, she, she said, did you, did you think about what we talked about moving in together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's her, it's her idea. Why? Cause that would be crazy for George. Like, yes, George doesn't want to break up with her, but he's also not pushing things along. Yeah. Well, he said he'd marry her just to screw over Al Nietzsche. That's true. Yeah. But she'd have to ask. I think Daphne is, I mean, could they have been dating a month? Maybe. I mean, it could have been longer in the, in the timeline of the show. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. All right. So then also Amir says, uh, Kramer's friend, Len Nicodemo, sounds a little too similar to his friend, Bob Sacamano. Short, three-letter first name, similar sounding last name with the same syllabic breakdown. The O, second syllable with the O ending, Feels a little bit lazy, too, by the writers. Boy, Amir really killing the fake name of Len Nicodemo. Yeah, there's 50 bigger problems with this episode. But I, also, they don't even they don't even remember who Bob Sacamano is at this point. Right? <laughs> it's not like Lost where they have like a whole bol- you know blackboard written out who everybody is. Here, they're just flying by the seat of their pants. Okay. And finally, here's Chester. The maligned Chester is back. And uh, he's going to get through this. This could be his last email after he hears that review. <laughs> very sensitive he says has a girl either of you dated ever been warned to stay away from you i'm proud to say that mrs chester was warned not to get involved with me by three people all of them named jonathan ironically one of them presumably uh the post show recaps commenter who hashtagged no more chester after the marine biologist I like how he refers to his doctor wife as Mrs. Chester. Just to put her down a little. That's like a neg. He also says, like with George and the little kicks, it only served to make me more appealing to her. Thanks, a-hole Jonathans. She was interested in a bad boy, and she got the, the baddest boy in town. I would have to ask my wife if anybody had said to her, don't get involved with me. I mean, for me, we were 19 when we were dating. I had, like, no career plans. I had been to one year of college at that point. Mm-hmm. It's shocking if anyone she knew didn't like tell her not to go out with me. Like I, it would be amazing if one person was on my side. I don't think one person was on my side. Probably, probably not. I even say to these people now, like, why are you so like to my parents and her parents and grandparents and stuff? Like, why are you guys so irresponsible that you let two 20 year olds get married? Like, I didn't even know what I wanted my career to be now, but also like uh, when I was, you know, when I was 20, I didn't even know what I wanted to do for like years after I was already married. Yeah. So, like, of course, I'm sure everyone said stay away from, you know, or, or don't get married so fast or stay away from him. Yeah. 
Then finally, Chester says, what's so funny about the pachyderm story? I mean, the, the, the ending, like the slapstick ending with two people with pizza on their face is very funny. <laughs> and also, Chester wants to know, uh, do you guys have a little person correspondent? Not yet. We're working on it. You know, we usually we're open to it. You know, we'll we're 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 sifting through uh, applications. Right. Here's now. the rule on this correspondent business. Like it's the wild, wild west out there. It's like registering a domain name. If somebody doesn't have it yet, it's up for grabs. It's like Walking Dead. Just call out dibs. <laughs> yeah. Call out claimed claimed. Sorry. It was it was like five. Send us an ago. email like uh, Seinfeld at post show recaps uh, dot com subject blacksmith correspondent hey robin akiva i'm a blacksmith uh that there's an episode coming up with horseshoes and i want to be the blacksmith correspondent yeah what would be like the weirdest correspondent (laughs) of any episode we have left yes so whatever it is uh we are open to the correspondence but the key is the key is going back to how we started this feedback segment you got to be ahead of the curve so when your episode is coming up that you already have the email into us with the relevant information to the episode that we're going to talk about. Right. Like if you are a cockfighting expert, right. Email, email us the week before the little Jerry, not, not afterwards. Okay. So uh, this week is coming up is the wife with Courtney Cox. So what kind of expert would we need for that episode? And we don't need like a friend's expert that I think you're probably like, that's, so, I mean, we both have wives. We don't, you know, we could use help, but that, like, that's probably beyond their, their thing. Uh, Kramer's in blackface. I don't think we need a blackface correspondent. <laughs> we do not want a blackface <laughs> correspondent. No siri Bob. Um, I, like, uh, Kramer, uh, George P's in the, in the shower. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's, that's not real. Like, not every episode needs a correspondent, maybe. Yeah. Um, Especially if there's things that are going to be recurring. Those are the, right. the best. I mean, Jerry cheats on Courtney Cox. Well, I, don't, I don't know if we need, like, a... Someone who's cheating on their wife to be a correspondent. Okay. Uh, the Hamptons is uh, down the road. Yeah. So what do we need for the Hamptons? Like, so do we want, do we want someone who intentionally serves uh, kosher people lobster? Do we, do we, want, do we want a shrinkage expert? <laughs> How do you be a shrinkage expert? I, I don't, maybe like a urologist. <laughs> yeah. All good questions. All good questions. But if you, so if you are the expert, you know what you're an expert in. It's not for us to, you know, sort of like say who's the expert and what. So if you know you're the expert, let us know. Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps. And of course, subscribe to Post Show Recaps. We're doing so many great things on Post Show Recaps right now. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Or if you want the Seinfeld feed itself, postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes, we're covering Walking Dead, Leftovers, Fargo, American Horror Story, Saturday Night Live, in addition to Seinfeld. So a lot, a lot of great TV talk happening on PostalRecaps.com. Yeah, check it all out. All right. Akiva, what's the hashtag? Uh, well, we sort of decided it, unless you wanted it to be oh. fish as fish, eggs as eggs. No. We decided it early on. <laughs> Prisoner? Prisoner, I think. There you go. Yeah. It should probably be Prinder. <laughs> yeah, let's switch it to Prinder. <laughs> Prinder, there you go. All right. And then, of course, follow Akiva. He's on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. How many Twitter followers are you up to? Uh, I think um, I'm nearing 400. If someone wants to be lucky, no, number it's too low. It's That's too low. I started this at 64. So I, I'm six times as popular as I was when I started. <laughs> it's also like, I don't have a lot of followers, so I also don't tweet a lot. Yeah. It's, it's like a catch, uh, catch 22 or a catch 396 now. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, if I had a million followers, I would feel compelled to tweet more. But why would anybody follow me? Because I don't tweet a lot. We're up to 311 votes in the poll of 
what is the more famous poppy moment? And 57% are still saying not washing hands. It's almost 200 people that are totally wrong. <laughs> All right. So follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. And we always appreciate you guys uh, leaving us your honest feedback on our iTunes page because it helps more and more people find the show at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. And thanks to Mike Moore, who has been writing our episode summaries. He was not super offended with our David Ortiz jokes last week. Happy to say. And and my prediction uh, to him that the Patriots would lose to the Bills probably <laughs> didn't was, really. That did not come true. And also thanks didn't work. to uh, Scott St. Pierre, who has a uh, Herculean uh, task of uh, editing this show for you guys to hear it. Especially today. It's long. Yeah. So uh, the longest one we ever did. It's up there. It really is. And uh, I, I don't know what, what to blame it for. Too many tangents. He took it out. was a was a great discussion. Lots of fun. I'm very thankful for uh, Akiva for coming up with the idea for the Seinfeld recap podcast uh, way back when. And it just keeps rolling along. 80 episodes down. 100 more to go. Put it in the books. Put it in the books. Take care, everybody. Bye. 